With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Price drop, time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. Intelligent people know the greatest thing is laughing. It's not being politically correct. It's not being a millionaire. It's just being able to freaking laugh in the face of all this ridiculousness. Here's how I look at it. You know why computers are so fast? Because binary, everything is yes or no. Everything is zero or one. Everything is white or black. That's it. Comedy. Life. Man has so many frigging layers in his coconut, and it's no different at a comedy show. Something either makes you laugh or it doesn't make you laugh. And nothing should have to go through a filter when you want to laugh. Let's say that I'm, like, beating my wife, and you go, yo, don't hit her, and what am I going to do? I'm going to respond, like, what are you going to do? Because violence begets violence. So what do we do in the comedy club? The punchline is laughing at these assholes. That's a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. But joking about it allows us to release that tension in a funny way. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. I've tried a bunch of different food delivery services and really feel HelloFresh is the best choice for me. HelloFresh employs two full-time registered dietitians on staff who review each recipe to ensure it is nutritionally balanced. That's really important to me because I try to eat fresh foods that give me energy to sustain me throughout the day. For $30 off on your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter James Altucher 30 when you subscribe. Delicious ingredients you'll love to eat. Simple recipes you'll love to cook. Get cooking. Today's show is brought to you by Princess Cruises. If you could take a vacation anywhere in the world, where would you go? Princess Cruises sails to over 360 destinations worldwide, 360, and there's never been a better time to plan a vacation with Princess Cruises than during their most popular sail of the year, Sip and Sail. Book a balcony or above and get the best all-inclusive beverage package at sea for free. Enjoy everything from cocktails, wine, and beer to sodas, specialty coffee, and smoothies as you explore world-famous destinations. Just visit princess.com slash James for details. That's princess.com slash James. <laughs> so Gino Bisconti is an amazing stand-up comedian. No. Uh, yes, don't 
just just for five minutes, don't be humble. Okay. Uh, you just released yep. an album. Goddamn right. <laughs> yeah, uh, motherfucker. Uh, oh, there you go. No, you can say that. I had Jim Norton on the podcast. <laughs> I love Jim Norton. So, Uncle, the, the album's called Uncle Gino is Amazing. And there's a, a bit in there about your nephew, your 11-year-old nephew. Hilarious. My, my, my daughter did laugh. At that joke you told your nephew, I won't say it on the on on the uh, uh, podcast here. But the whole album is genius. I thought I was going to download an album and it was going to be like what I always download, which is okay. I'm going to listen to a guy who I know is funny telling his set for an hour, and I'm gonna I'm gonna both laugh and learn, which is what I try to do because I'm also trying to go up on stage and, right. and learn a little bit, like one millionth of what you guys do. But uh, this was so much more than that. I felt like. I felt like this album was, in fact, a masterclass on comedy. And, but that's only, <laughs> but then I realized. I thought you were going to say a massive waste of time. <laughs> but masterclass on comedy. I'll take that. Right, right. And then, well. A massive on, waste of eight forty nine on Amazon. Do, is that, wait, I paid nine bucks for it. <laughs> this isn't the time, James. We're not doing this now. So, um, so, so but actually, I do want to ask you about some of the aspects of business. But I want to talk also about what was great to me in this album because I want people to listen to it. Anyone who's interested in, not only in comedy, but in mastery, we're all trying to get better. We all, we all feel good when we get better at things we love to do. And I'm going to describe a little bit what I think that means in your case, but just in general, if someone's interested in golf, they want to get better at it. You feel better when you hit better than the day before. If you want to get better at sales, same thing with domestic violence. <laughs> Oh, look how much better the eggs taste today, bitch. All right. And what? no. No, but okay. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bring up your your that's a good segue into some parts of your just album. Just like rehearsal. Yes. So, so what you just did there is what you kind of guide people to in the album, which is that you're in a safe place and there's free speech and nothing is actually bad in the sense that uh there actually is real domestic violence out there. Yeah. It is bad to hit someone's wife or husband or kid. That's a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. But joking about it in a safe place allows us to kind of release that tension in a funny way because we're all thinking about these things and to kind of to kind of understand the difference between saying it and, and comedy and, and in, a, in a safe place like a, a podcast or a club and actually doing it or experiencing it. Then people need to act and do whatever. You brought up a great point. Uh, we could joke about hitting uh, a man or a woman or a kid all, in, all you want. But wait, I just want to finish. Please, in, I in, And this, I don't want to give away too much of your album, but you bring up the, the comparison between joking about it in a comedy club and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe he said that. I've been through this, this, this. He should never, ever say that. Don't anybody laugh about that. And then meanwhile... Uh, Chris Brown's got 48 million followers on Twitter and Man, the guy actually pleads guilty to, to all sorts of violence. He threw her out of a moving car and- You know how hard it is for those people to get a ride, James? Okay. And, and Well, no, you did more. Yeah. And, and I'm going to get to that because maybe you don't even realize what you did. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, but you, you, you use that opportunity to say, why did he get away with it? And- somebody just using free speech in a comedy club where that's kind of, I don't want to say every you expect it from every comedian. You wouldn't, like Jerry Seinfeld, for instance, wouldn't say that, but some comedians clearly would, like Louis C.K. would. Of course. He makes jokes about that all the time. You do, of course. You just did on the yeah. podcast. Um, 
and yet we let we, often the uh, the crowd the the masses don't let uh, a comedian in a safe place uh, discuss meaningful issues. But Chris Brown, who actually committed the crime and should be in jail, and arrogantly walked away from it. Yeah, arrogantly. And, and by the way, I don't want to even say this from a legal perspective. Maybe he shouldn't be in jail. I gotta say that. But uh, he admitted guilt. He did plead guilty. I did it. And suddenly, and and he not only did he walk away, but Rihanna, they started going out again. Like Rihanna said, "I love you." I, and I how many you. Fe young female Twitter followers does she have? The, the, my the, kids, yeah. my two daughters, yeah. right? So what kind of example does that set? Yep. Meanwhile, I, I, while preparing for this podcast, I was listening to this with my 15-year-old daughter, Aww. and she totally got it. She was like, yeah, why because does it happen? Because you right, because America has forgotten that the word parent is also a verb, James. And a and I will tell Good you- point. Yeah, and, and I will tell you that this album, half these jokes are based on- I. I'm I'm a disaster, but I'm very good at being an uncle because I was raised, I have one brother who is the father of my niece and nephew. And my parents, like, we are still close friends. And a reason, the reason I'm I do comedy and survive doing this and live the way I do is because we all have those voices. The loudest ones in our heads are the ones like, you stink, what are you doing? You know, I, I, I'm sure you hear them because all the times you've built up, a, you know, a financial and lost look, it all. Look, but, but when, I hear it in like so many different areas of my life. It's like disgusting at this point. But getting back to the, the family, when I show up and see my niece, my nephew, my brother, and they look at me like, you're great. You are doing great. We never worry about you. You're always in a good mood. My niece, my, my son and daughter can't wait to see you. That's how you know like you're doing the right thing. And that's how like I can joke. I make jokes about like, you know, domestic violence in front of my nephew and he doesn't run away screaming. He's like, he get it, dad. And he's so smart because that's the joke. Like, it, let's say that I'm like beating my wife and you go, yo, don't hit her. And what am I going to do? I'm going to respond like, what are you going to do? Because violence begets violence. So what do we do in the comedy club? The punchline is laughing at these assholes. Right. You the whole up, thing is like, like we're laughing at the guys like, yeah, you get it, I hit a woman. Yeah, you're, you're, you're an asshole. You, you, you're, you bring up such a great point. And, and again, I'm not going to reveal all the jokes, but you reveal have Reveal what you want, buddy. You, you have, a, you have a, a crazy funny set of jokes and, and, you know, and, and callbacks, meaning like you, in later jokes, you call back to this yeah. joke and everyone gets it. They yeah. eat, I, I, uh, there's so many things I want to discuss with you, but okay. You have oh, a, I hold the crowd accountable. <laughs> it's like, you got to keep up. You got to, oh, you gotta oh, keep pace. Well, so you you have a, a a whole set of jokes about the diary of Anne Frank, oh. and and you call people out if they're not laughing. And you, you and have you and ever you're a well traveled man. Have you ever been? No, I haven't been. Here's the thing, but I'm sure if you've been to anything Holocaust related, it. Oh yes, I have been to that. I thought you said Anne Frank's house. No, but that's well, I've been there. That's that was my moment where. Like people that don't laugh are the same people that don't read it. They don't know anything. They're like, well, I'm just not going to talk about it because like when, and I'll never forget, I'm backpacking through Europe ages ago and we're in Amsterdam. So what do I want to do? I want to do the tourist. I go to the Van Gogh Museum. I go get high. And these girls are like, we should go to Anne Frank's house. It's here. I'm like, why would I want to go there? You go there. And anyone that's been there, there's this moment where all the adjectives are stripped away and, and you don't hate Germans and you don't hate Jews. You just hate yourself because this was, when you strip it all away, people letting people kill other people. And there's this moment where they're like, how do you joke about it? Because as a comedian, you try and make fun of things that you can't understand and you and you just cannot wrap your brain around what I would call the lowest point in human history, just because it's so real. I, I know genocides have gone on since the beginning, but that's the most real. It's like, how does that, 
happened. So that is why I have so many jokes about this, where other people are just like, oh, he's just going for a cheap laugh. Fuck you. Oh my God. It, it, I, it, it just, it, re, it like, when you're sitting there, uh, and the newest one is, is like, don't even try reading the Diary of Alan Frank on audiobook because you can't hear anything. It's all fucking whispering. And every three oh, chapters, someone that, takes a shit in a bucket. You it's use amazing. that as the premiere uh, party, yeah, which that's was great. Joke, I laughed that's at that. Joke. Uh, can I take a piece of paper? Take whatever you want, my friend. Because you just said a couple of things I want to unpack, and I just want to. Um, but that, but that's down. the thing. And you were, and getting back to what you were saying, like, I do have jokes about that, but that's the thing. People are like, well, he's just going for a cheap laugh. No, it, it you have to experience this to know just how gut-wrenching it is. See, here's here's the thing. I actually really hate cheap Jews. laughs. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Is this? Don't. All right. What? <laughs> but funny. Why are you nodding and winking? <laughs> oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's a podcast. All right. That was fast. <laughs> so, so I I really hate cheap laughs. I like, but but okay, we'll, we'll get into that in a second because I want to keep on unpacking the Anne Frank one and what I saw you do both in the album and 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 live in your show. Um, and then I kind of want to get to, uh, I want to back up a, get, a bit and get to the reasons why I wanted you specifically on this podcast. Um, Couldn't get anyone else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm drunk by 3 p.m. I'm gotta, just going to ignore gotta all these comments. Just the audience can laugh or not. I could argue with you. I'm but, enjoying myself. Yes, I mean, wait, that's the key. Are, are we why? recording this? I thought this was just for me and you because I'm having a blast. Why, why wouldn't you? You should enjoy yourself all the time. Um, <laughs> My nephew's the same way. Ah, but first, let me, let me make you some coffee, James. If hey. I, Coffee My man rice. Danny from the band Carl 2K. I don't you know, know if you know that. Danny owns this podcast studio. Really? Yeah. Oh, so be nice. Well, it's, Danny. A, it's a music studio. It's a music studio, studio but, but I've been dominating it in the podcast world. And by the way, thank you so uh, much, GSI Danny. Studios. I want to give a shout out. We've yeah. never mentioned you, but this is a great podcast studio. Thank, thank you very much, Danny. It's a great podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I met Danny in the elevator. That elevator right. smelled like bourbon and regret this morning. <laughs> we were. I was doing whiskey, and this out. You, you smelled yourself. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'm gonna so, go back and listen. All right. Unless, and close that door. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. So, so. Oh God. So you him. said something that was really interesting with the Anne Frank one, which is that what for to, you, I you were I, you were either real calling out someone in the audience or fake calling out, which either way doesn't matter to me. But you were basically saying, don't let an event from 80 years ago prevent you from laughing. Like, we want to enjoy life. This Learn. moment, yeah. Pam Grout. All right. we have is this moment, and, and we give permission away. Right, like, are you going to let, I mean, you kind of took it to an extreme. Are you going to let Hitler tell you not to laugh at this right now? You're what? I was supposed to. See how professionally I'm a pro. Thank you, Danny. That's why you're a podcast well. owner, podcast studio owner. There you go. All right. I, I just Gino's wanted the coffee. Now, I'll, I'll talk now. All right, so. So, so. Did you set it to funny? All right, we're back. <laughs> so, so, so you kind of, in in a weird way, you're giving this kind of class on what what is comedy, what is laughter, where does it come from, how you make decisions about what's funny. But then I, but then I realized something insidious, which I said to my 15 year old daughter, and and she was trying to process it. I could set her up with my nephew, by the way. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do it. Um, but. Uh, I think what you were doing was a little craftier, which is you were teaching people how to laugh at your material, so that <laughs> maybe so that throughout the set, you it was very easy for you to call people out if they weren't laughing, and you were basically training people throughout the entire album. And that when I've seen you live, you're training people how to laugh at your jokes so that they can't not laugh. Yeah. So I think there's three layers. There's the joke. There's you saying these really insightful 
important things about not only society, but comedy. So maybe there's four levels. There's the joke, there's society, there's these kind of very One of the levels about, is lowbrow. We know that. So no, there's three it's not lowbrow. Uh, th then there's these insightful things about comedy, which I don't hear in any other comedy album, which you're really breaking down for you. What is humor? What is laughter? What is comedy? And then there's the fourth thing, which I find to be the most ingenious, which is your forcing the crowd to laugh at your jokes, which is, by the way, an extremely hard challenge for any stand-up comedian, right. as you would know. And I, I, I did kind a of spot analyzing in Chicago this, this week, and when I got off stage, the guy's like, that was a very aggressive TED talk, wasn't it? I thought that was so funny. That's that's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. It's like, in a, it's like, what? You're not going to laugh? I'm going to tell you why you're going to laugh at this joke. Yeah, and then they have to, because otherwise you're, you, just like you just pointed at me, when you point out at the audience, the rest of the audience is afraid you're going to point them out if they yeah. don't laugh. Yeah. So they have to start laughing. They even have to start clapping. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. You can choose not to laugh, but... But you're going to be in trouble. But <laughs> but the thing is, I can. you want to laugh. Like, it, like this is what I talk about. It's it's so amazing. Like, the, the, the amazing thing about the human body, and I say this in the set, is like, everything in your body, whether you believe it's God or randomness, you created it. And this I actually read in one of Pam's books. Like it, this amazing energy is what creates you. It's what sustains you, and you feel that energy when you laugh. There is no question in my mind. And when, and this is, I say this in the act too. Like, and you, and this is for you. Enjoy that moment. Like when you first start doing, we'll flip this for you because it'll explain both. When you first start doing comedy, it's like riding a unicycle. I would imagine I've never, but you just need to get your balance. The stage is like a unicycle. First, you need to get your balance up there. You just need to be. Remember the first few times you did, you're like. I just want to get up and get yeah. off and survive. It's it's hard. Yeah. And then once you finally get your balance, you can stand up there and you're you're not even like blah blah blah. Once you get that balance and you can focus and work on a set and, and flesh it out. Okay, so now you're now you're work now you're working your comedy, right? And now you've got bits that work, and now you're suddenly engaging the energy of the crowd, which is an amazing thing. But you, and this gets back to what I'm saying, I can see the whole crowd, and it's an amazing feeling because I I get, to, like, if I do a joke opening the set about hitting women and you see, and everyone laughs, it's great. But if you see two people not laughing, then then I'm going to pick them out and be like, why aren't you laughing? But I won't say, why aren't you laughing? And be like, you didn't laugh. You better learn how to cook, bitch. Because it's, and they laugh because it's like, look, don't think not laughing. It's not like when I see the people laughing, I'm like, oh, thank God they laugh. When I see the people not laughing, and this may sound exaggerated, and it is, but it isn't. It's like, oh my God, why are you not laughing? God forbid these poor people are here on earth thinking, and I this is over-dramatizing it, but it's a fact, oh my God, what do you think not laughing is getting you? This is this is the society we've become. The first person not to laugh is smart. You're killing yourself. You're, you're giving permit. You're like, I better not laugh because of something that I And here I they are in a comedy club. But I will say part of that is your confidence that your material is funny. I think when people don't laugh- That's called at, delusion, James. No, no, it's not, because you're very <laughs> funny. Self-aggrandizement? Don't be humble. <laughs> <laughs> You're very funny and you know it. Um, I think a lot of comedians get nervous when people don't laugh that they're not funny anymore. Yeah. Oh, please. I've well, seen I've seen people, and it's not just beginners. We all do that. It's like people, I've seen people doing it 25 years, punch in a wall after a silent crowd. You it's not just that. Like I say this all the time because we're comics. And don't get me wrong, like if I see people not laughing at that joke, that's one thing because I know and I feel it out and it's fine. But trust me. You can do, I've said this before, you can do a show, and we'll make it 100 people in the room, right? 99 laugh and lose in their mind. One person, third row, fifth seat in, not laughing. 
you're looking at that guy. And this is us as comics. You're like looking at him like, you're right. These 99 people are fucking idiots. You're right. I'm not funny. And then you're trying to get him to laugh. And before you know it, you've gotten so angry that one guy who might have just, you know, had a bird shit on his head or got kicked. You're mad at him. And your energy turns from joy. And then suddenly the other 99 people are like, this guy's not funny. This and, guy's mean and angry. And so you're... you're you know, it's funny because I've had a, a, a lot of com comedians. I've always been a fan of yeah. comedy. I've been... What's funny? Mike Vecchione. That's funny. Comedy. Muscle confusion. Brilliant comedian. He is brilliant. He... Okay, I want to tell you something. We're, we're, we because he said you're an asshole, James. <laughs> He's the nicest guy in the business. No. If you've never heard of Mike Vecchione, it's because the business has become so fragmented. Fragmented, God forgive me. It's awful. The guy's been on The Tonight Show twice. Once with Leno, once with Fallon. And he's been on Conan. Oh, and my God. He's brilliant. brilliant. He's brilliant. But I, I wanna I wanna talk about him actually behind and, his back <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. but um <laughs> we're going off on a lot of tangents I just want to outline what I Hard why I want to do to uh, <laughs> two giant scatterbrain where right. are we Ooh, now right. we're in Texas because I want to I want to tell people the ride that they're in for a this is about master you just described uh, how when you first getting started in comedy it's like being on a unicycle finding your balance but then it's like then you divide it up into micro skills like you got to figure out what your jokes are you have to figure out how to manage the audience. For you, I could see you have to figure out how to manage a low uh, energy and I, audience. To, to versus tell high you, you're audience. not even close to finding your voice. Like you have to go through a world I agree of with jokes, that. and then it's like you shed your skin. I, I but agree it's with that. A enjoy every second of the process. But, and but, I'm going to keep interrupting you, but go back to what no, you're no, saying. No, no, that's fine. I I'm, apologize. I'm We're talking about the mini microcosms of the universe. I, I think, I think for any skill, and maybe you would agree, there you have to sort of identify or go, or realize if you're going to get good at something there's a lot of separate micro skills like you seeing everyone in the audience is a separate skill from uh writing your material is a separate skill from having the psychology to move around the stage right is a separate skill from uh dealing with a low energy audience you know versus a high energy audience or dealing with i i've no here's the latest micro skill i've learned dealing with um an audience that is more than 70% men as opposed to 70% women. It's a different type of audience and different types of jokes and different types of interactions with the oh, crowd yeah. work, 100%. There's, there's actually specific jokes that men will not laugh at if they're the if they're the majority of the audience until uh, you call them out. You have to break it down. You yeah. have to break them down. Like, like but, but I wouldn't have thought before I started doing this that that was a, an actual, not just like one little feature I had to learn. It's an actual skill you have to develop. Try doing a black joke with no black people in the room. The white people are like nervous. Like you need the, because of course black people laugh because they don't give a fuck, you know? But the white people, the white girl like, oh, what are, is this a clan? It's like just, it's a, that's the problem. And I talk about words in my act, like adjectives are dividing us more and more. Okay, but tangent. I'm okay. going to go on a tangent on that. All right, let's uh, take a ride. When, when, let's take a ride down tangential lane, my friend. And, and, and oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to hold off on the tangent. I'm going to continue. Dan gave me bourbon. What? So, so we're going to talk about mastery. We're going to talk about, I want to talk about your comedy album specifically. By the way, was my breakdown of the four layers somewhat accurate for you? And yeah. how you do your set? Well, what were the four? The four yeah. layers was, uh, your humor, which right. is like the basic layer. Right. Then there was um, kind of these societal uh, truths that you were bringing up that were really wise, which, which, and and by the way, that's the difference I think between cheap laughs and a good comedian. Right. I really hate cheap laughs. I really love when something's making me laugh, but also is unraveling a hidden truth. So I think that at that second layer, you 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 had the skill set of humor, which you could apply to anything, sure. but you applied it to societal observations that you had. The third layer is teaching the audience about comedy and laughter and that and making that part of your routine. 
the fourth layer, which is more insidious, which is kind of showing people exactly how to laugh at your joke specifically. So that way you'll keep the energy high in the room. I will say this. I never looked at it that way. I would definitely agree that's part of it. But the one part you left out, and I'm not- Tell me, because I want It's not false humility, is there's a dick joke level to it. There's some dumb jokes in there just because, and this, one of the greatest compliments I ever got was, you know Dante Nero? No. Oh, great comedian, Dante Nero. He has a podcast called The Beige Phillips Effect. It's hilarious. Uh, we got into a huge fight over Colin Kaepernick, but I'm not talking about that friggin' piece of garbage right now. I'm talking about my, he once said, watching Gino's set is like watching Einstein eat paste. And I love that because like, you know, like I'll say something really brilliant and really stupid, but this is the thing. Like, it, like you know, when I say you don't hit women and you don't hit them hard, because if you hit them too hard, they black out and lose the lesson. There's so many levels to that. Okay, but let me let me let me address that, please. So so, I think that also is a separate micro scale. So so you just talked about the two women who hypothetically didn't laugh at a joke. Right. So you find a low energy part of the crowd, and you 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 do you you can pull. Now you know I'm gonna pull the easy laugh based out of the crowd from these two women, but I'm gonna I'm gonna sandwich it by the two truths with all the humor I have. Yes. Like so it's so I think I think and I've seen this in a couple of comedians, you can't just do a string of of cheap laughs. No. You have to the 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 greatest comedians, and I'm I am ranking you in there. You're an idiot. Uh, I know I know you were gonna say that. <laughs> uh, uh but I'll explain why I'm gonna say that throughout this. You 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 didn't do just a bunch of cheap laughs, you sandwich that one cheap laugh in between two truths. And yeah. I think you have to sandwich those and that's how you do it. That's a skill. Whether yeah. you really realize you're doing that or not, maybe you learn no, that I, organically. I, no, like, but I, I've seen it as a skill because I've seen now a number of comedians do that who I respect. This And that's how I work, like to work in these, new, and this is the amazing thing, like I'm working, like you saw a lot, I had a lot of new material at the at the party because, well now I'm trying new bits. And and every bit, it's it starts with the seriousness because I have to like just, Talk serious, and, and and that's where your voice and, is, I think, yeah. which is hard to develop. Yeah, and then and then and then the more I do it, the more I can, you know, because I because I'm not good at being serious. And then the comedy just develops, you know. Like I, I'm doing a whole bit now on how Ice Cube is saying what word we can and can't say, and and just how like for you to tell me not to say that word, that's accusing me immediately of being a racist. And I talk about how like anyone that's racist in this day and age, it's 2014, right? Did we tape it in this day and age? <laughs> To, to even imply, like if I go up to you and say, hey, don't say the N-word, then then obviously I'm just assuming you use it all the time and you're a racist. And to be a racist, then you must assume, James, in 2017, that the amount of melanin in your skin, that the more you have, the dumber you are. That's what I'm accusing <laughs> you of. And, and everyone knows the more melanin you have, the better your leaping ability. We watch the NBA. But what I'm saying is for you to accuse me of that, that's absolutely ridiculous and this is what people don't think they're like oh i'm a social justice warrior because i'm gonna tell this guy not to say that word no you just accused me of being retarded and thinking that you know that's the correlation between you know between race and intelligence and and this is the stuff that starts out serious and then you have to build okay. the dick jokes on either side and but stuff. let me let me let me ask if there's a gray area because uh uh, and I don't know the answer take the michael richards example oh okay so I, where I can explain that to you in a heartbeat tell me Let's pretend that that I'm a great poker player, right? Mm -hmm. And this is my opinion on it, and I'm just throwing it out there, but I love, I'm a great poker player, we're hanging out, right? And then you say, hey, Gino, uh, can I get in on a poker game with you? And we're buddies, James, so I say, yeah, but it's a high stakes poker game, and you lose your house in that game. How am I gonna feel? Like, shit, I put you in harm's way. 
I, in my opinion, and don't get me wrong, I know Richards used to do stand-up, but R Richards is a brilliant comedic actor, and there's yes. a difference. He was never a stand-up, I don't think. He was, on, he was an, always an actor. He was on Fridays with Larry I David. I said that too, but somebody told me once he was. Regardless, we definitely know... So he's not a, so he's hanging out with Jerry at the at the laugh what was it the laugh factory yeah it was laugh factory and he goes uh and Jerry's like hey you want to go do a spot and he's like sure cuz they're just two guys hanging out he goes on stage loses his fucking marbles and Jerry the next day Jerry is on uh I think Letterman I, like and and he skypes in or whatever it was back then to help apologize on his behalf so that's like Jerry Seinfeld felt bad because he kind of but the, it's completely Richards' fault. Richards, yeah, Richards' fault. But but he, he shouldn't have been on that stage. Well, what, what's interesting it's is- It's the line from A Few Good Men. You got bullied into that courtroom, Jack. So he should- Was he shouldn't Jack? He shouldn't have been on that stage, correct? Because he didn't know how to deal with- Right. He didn't have the skill set to right. deal with uh, a, a negative part of the audience, a low energy part of the audience yeah. or a heckling part of the audience or whatever. And, with a bunch of negative people. And then the way he- the way he did it, uh, because it wasn't comedy, right, right, could potentially suggest that this is acceptable behavior. Right. I think you, I think that's where the gray area is the, between comedy and acceptable behavior. Like if everybody just w walked around saying whatever in the middle of the street, that would be a problem. I mean, uh, but a comedian ha has, uh, I think, there's poetic license in a weird way, comedic here, license. But here's where he didn't have the skill set. Yeah, but. Getting away from him and just to the gray area. Here's here's how I look at it. Like this is, I, I was joking around with him. You know why computers are so fast? Because binary. Everything is yes or no. Everything is zero or one. Everything is white or black. That's it. Comedy life. Man has so many frigging layers in his coconut, and it's no different at a comedy show. All right, he just did a joke about race. Is there a black person next to me? How do I? Is it? But da 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 da. But there's no gray area, and this is the other thing I'm breaking down on stage when I do that. It's yes or no because because I'm tired of Comedy Central trying to teach people what's funny and what's not. Hey, you know what comedy is? It's equal parts white, black, female, Latino, some wild card that's either fat or retarded or something. That's not comedy. You know what comedy is? It's your gut. Do you want to laugh or not? And when you take away all the friggin' white noise, I said white noise. When you take away all the white noise, you know, and just let yourself go. Like when I do that joke and I pointed out my act about Anne Frank and, you know, uh, like when people laugh and cover their mouth, like that's, that is such a cathartic moment for me on stage. And I'm not this is now I will why the, why they cover their mouth because, because it's like, like they don't why, want because, to because they, they don't want to laugh right. that's they're laughing because despite all the fucking bullshit we're desensitized or oversensitized god forgive me to out there in life we're like you can't laugh at this because this your body's like no 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 I'm going to laugh at that because he just took something terrible and made me laugh and it feels so good and it's coming from inside you it's coming up from your gut out of your mouth it never gets a chance to go to that bullshit circus of a brain that creates that gray area because something either makes you laugh or it doesn't make you laugh and nothing should fucking have to go through a filter when you want to laugh and that's what well, happens you know you know what's interesting i mean uh some of my dostoevsky that guy is interesting <laughs> that guy is interesting okay okay he spells his name four different ways literally literally <laughs> literally do you take every single sentence ever and try to find the funny in it, dude. It seems like you do that. I, That's great. That's a skill. I when I hang out with my brother, everything he says. Have I'll, you always had that, or did you build that? I've always been like this. I don't know why. Like, don't get me wrong. I grew up in a Norman Rockwell painting. My mother was a teacher. My dad was a farmer. My brother's a year and a half old. Is 
a year and a half older than me, always been my hero. And I've never needed attention. I've just always been like, I've always been in a good mood. I don't know why. So it I seems don't like, know why. it seems like. So I'm always trying to like, just, I can't let someone be serious. Cause that part is a hard skill. My brother, whenever my brother will say something, sentence. I'll interrupt him with a dick joke. He's like, I don't know how you do it, Gene. And I'm like, it's a curse, Peter. I'm like, what did, what did Jesus say? Would that you could take this cup from me. But, but, but I, here's what I've seen. I've seen comedians who have that ability also, then kind of skip the learning the skill of writing material. And I don't think you've skipped that. No. Because I think you have like very ingenious material. Like again, let's go through the Anne Frank sequence or the sequence about your nephew. Like uh, all these things are, are ri clearly written material because I've, I've seen you do it on the album and I've seen you do it live. Like you are, you are ready for that material. I think, Plus I think some of your crowd work even is written material. Oh yeah. It evolved, like the crowd work I do and I think it's, Brilliant, where I talk about guns. But, all but, guns by the way, are bad. which is another skill, right. crowd work. Right. When I do the bit where people are like, all guns are bad, and then I do the example. I'm like, really? Let's pretend I have a gun, and I pull it out to shoot this person, and this person pulls out a gun, and I always pick a black or Latino. I'm like, minorities always have weapons. And suddenly they shoot me. I'm like, what? now why is his gun good? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of crowd work, but it is a very important bit. Like, people get lazy, and they think blankets say, let's get, we'll get rid of every gun. You are an idiot. You are an idiot. We need to get rid of stupid people. You know what I mean? That think it's okay to hurt people. So, so, so the fact that you know, because you've done the joke, let's say a hundred times or a thousand times, you know where the groans are going to come. So you know how yeah. to take advantage of it. Groaning is just as much an energy as uh, laughing. Oh yeah. So you know how to convert that groaning into saying, how, why, you know, how can you do this? There's this, there's this. But you even do that with your 11 year old nephew in your joke to him. He, you, it's as if you, you knew what the reaction was going to be yeah. and you threw that back, that energy back at him. Oh, so that's me a, and him. He's, he's hilarious. And I know I'm biased, but there's time it's, 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 it's like, we're doing a bit together. But, like but, the joke is, and I don't mind telling, cause it's a true story. Yeah. Like my nephew. And my daughter laughed at it this morning. Yeah. But, but the, I'm talking about the, 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 the title track is called uncle Gino is amazing. Because, and that's the title of the album. Yeah. Yeah. And, and cause everything I do, my niece and nephew turn into something amazing. Like, so, I don't know if you know this, but as me and Danny recollect, I like to have a drink or two, right? So I live in New York, okay? And and I park my car in Brooklyn for street cleaning. And here in New York, like you have to move your car for street cleaning certain days. So it was a Friday. I had to move my car 8 a.m. for street cleaning. And I'm living in Brooklyn now, but I leave my car there so I don't have to move it all week. Excuse me, I'm living in Manhattan. So I go to Brooklyn, hour on the subway. I'm like, let me go move my car. It's 8 o'clock at night. Walk into this bar that was my neighborhood bar when I lived there. I drink there till four in the morning. Now I'm obliterated. I can you drink there what in the morning? I drink. I drank there till four in the morning. Okay. Now I'm obliterated. I'm like I can't move my car because as a comedian I'm not getting a DUI. So what do I do? I sleep in my car. I pass out my car for four hours. Alarm goes off at eight. I move the car to street cleaning. So it's double parked for an hour and a half. Sleep there for an hour and a half. I wake up. I'm sober, and I drive finally to see my nephew and my brother in Jersey. And my nephew, and you can imagine I'm disheveled, but my nephew's a smart kid. So when he's like, what'd you do last night, Uncle Gino? I literally looked at him like, I slept in my car, Nick. And I say it with this big, dumb smile. And he runs with the bit. He's like, that's amazing. And then he looks at his dad. We never get to sleep in the car. <laughs> so it's just like, that's, the, my nephew like has a great sense of humor because again, he was raised by intelligent people. And intelligent people know the greatest thing is laughing. It's not being politically correct. It's not being a millionaire. It's just being able to friggin' laugh in the face of all this ridiculousness. And you know, I don't know if you know the statistic, but, uh, and I don't know how they figured this out, but apparently- Nine out of 10 battered women just don't pay attention? <laughs> okay, how many, how many times a day do you think adults, how many times a day do you think kids laugh? All day. 
All Every, day. Everything. So, so, Every, so. If you want to make my nephew laugh when he was eight, we used to always joke, just say it's not funny, Nick. <laughs> so, so apparently kids laugh on average 300 times a day. Guess how many times the average adult laughs a day? Ten. Five. So same order of magnitude. And that's true. So what you're, what you're saying. Oh, I can use that, James. And, and you know. So the average kid, 300. Yeah, because. Yeah, the average. Because, and the average adult, five. five. And the reason you can use that is because your comedy, Thank as you. much as it is about society, is also about comedy. It's about, that's why your album is multi-layered and why people should listen to it. It is a lesson on the importance of laughter in living. Like yeah. we only have this one life, so what are you gonna do? Spend it sad or spend it laughing? Right. And every moment you have that choice. You Even, if bad, even if bad things are happening to you. Um, I, I, I'm gonna, t I'm gonna, I'm gonna, say that the first time we had a conversation so you were the and this is how we know each other you were emceeing i i've been doing on and off stand-up for let's say a year and a half but i've then been I, doing very off stand-up <laughs> for 15. right for you've been doing it for a long time so but about five months ago maybe a little more i decided to take it really seriously go up two or three times a week the very first time i went up you were the MC. So you had to introduce me, but you had read my stuff before. At Stand Up New York Comedy Club. At Stand Up New York. Fantastic comedy club. Our yes. friend Candy Claire books it. You're doing her podcast. Don't you love how I throw in plugs for all my friends? You're doing her podcast next week. I, I am doing her podcast. The Candy Great Claire's love podcast? Em Emporia podcast. And I go up at Stand Up New York. She did mine and Aaron Burke's times podcast in hot water, which you can get on compoundmedia.com uh, just two weeks ago. I'm sorry. What? Uh, do you do it regularly? We do it every week. You got to come by. All right. Uh -huh. So back to you. So, okay. so we met. So, so we met. And you, one of the things you said to me, we were, we were talking for a while. You had read some of my stuff before, I guess, or whatever. Power, no. Power, power no, no. And I still yeah. have no power. I'd never say no. I'm an asshole. I'm like, and I tweeted Pam Grout that, and I'm sorry to keep going off topic, but it's more of how much That's the okay. energy works. I'm like, I'm like, I didn't, I was so looking Pam for- So Pam Grout's the author of E Squared. E Cubed. Yeah, we had the same Bank publisher. Grow Rich. Yeah, we, we had Pay the- house. We had the same publisher as The Power of No, so we had the same editor even. She said to mention her new book that is coming out, and I pre-ordered. In pre 10 days, yes. Yeah, I pre uh, and I forgot gonna, the title. I'll I read it. What's that? I'll read it when it comes out. Um, I pre-ordered it because I'm going to be in LA that for three weeks, and it's sent there. And we are getting off topic, but I read your book, The Power of No, because I, uh, Pam Grout, I'm looking, I'm like, I need a book to read. And sure enough, she... It was like one of her daily blurbs on her website, and she was plugging your book, The Power of No, and I just ran it. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm going to have to thank yeah, her. Why don't you thank Pam Grout? Yeah, I, I mean, then the rest of the thing it. was just bad-mouthing you. This total, <laughs> this guy wrote 11 books. Hey, guess what? One's actually readable. That's what she said. Well, that was probably <laughs> one of the first one or two that was readable because, like anything, writing is a hard craft. People think, oh, they write a book, it should be a bestseller. No, I've written 18 books. Maybe three sold enough copies to be considered right. like a bestseller. Now I'm going to steer you back because I tan I tangential us. So you okay. met me when yeah. I'm hosting it. So so Stand so up New York. We, we were talking because in part you're the MC, so you're getting to know me. But we, you also had read my stuff, so we were talking a little bit. You were saying um, some stuff related to some content I had written. How you were at one point feeling miserable because here you are uh, barely paying your bills and telling jokes all day and then and then you and then you said but then i flipped it you said this to me you said and then i flipped it it was i get can, to, can i, I get tell to, the story because it was a moment of clarity and i'm telling you i referenced grout because because we all when you're open to it and you're up in new york and i've always you're up in new york at this point i'm up there 13 years and you're at the comedy cellar when you hang out at the comedy cellar it's not every night but you'll you'll see chris rock and louis ck and i work a lot with Artie lang and you're with these guys like and obviously it's common sense to think like, I'm not successful until I make millions of dollars and blah, blah, blah. And I said to myself, I've been up here 13 years and I'm barely paying my bills. And then 
it was like some voice tapped, some tapped me on the shoulder and said, say that again, but say it without the word barely and say it with gratitude. And I'm like, I've been up here 13 years paying my bills. It's like, what else do you want? It's right. like, you're getting away. And then I'm like, and from that moment on, the universe like, oh, you get it now. So you don't need to be rich. You're always gonna have enough money to do what you want. So what is your fucking problem? I think people don't get this because somebody, somebody was trying to even, um, correct me like i was on a podcast a few weeks ago and they were saying well freedom is clearly the same thing as financial freedom you got to make enough mo money to be financially free and i said to him listen let's just take an extreme elon musk has whatever 13 billion dollars that guy from the minute and he wakes could up kick his ass you said <laughs> you said if elon musk was right here right now you'd kick his you know <laughs> i i wish i had said exactly that word for word but why are you waving your hands and shaking your head no james what <laughs> here's what i said here's what i said i said from five in the morning when he wakes up till he let's say he goes to sleep at midnight till he goes to sleep he's like a, a a slave to everything he has to do he has to make sure rocket ships don't blow up he has yeah. to get money from the government he has to please shareholders family this that the guy is a maniac i wouldn't i wouldn't you couldn't pay me to have a life like that meanwhile i get to you've been a millionaire seven times right and yeah. broke 18 times? yeah oh well yeah i've gone up and i've gone down and when i finally came to the same realization that you just did then suddenly it all clicked and i was able to make money and at the same time do what i love and not sacrifice that not say no i'm gonna stop doing what i love for a while just so i can make money i put it all together you just and told me you listened like i hope you see my face like when you tell me like you listened with your daughter i'm like stories like that make me the greatest like like when i hear stories like that i'm like i'm awesome you know like yeah. like she knows amazing like uh, and then you're like i'm running late i had to take my daughter to camp i'm like and what did i say to you and you got because parents a verb the word parent is a verb and people like don't get that they're like yeah i, I have two kids i'm a parent you're you're not you have kids but you have to parent them you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's why Very if important. I do a joke about hitting women in front of my nephew, he doesn't go, oh my God, and start crying, dad, don't hit mom. Like, I'll make jokes about him hitting his mother and you know, about Pete hitting his wife, who is a saint, my sister. And Nick will laugh because he's like, perfect example. This is how dumb we become. And I got to bring this back because it's not on it. Like a couple, this is how dumb the NFL is and how dumb society is. And don't get me wrong, I love the NFL. It's the greatest product in the world. We're you said it, greatest. Remember like two years ago when they had this thing, this campaign called No More, because all these football players are getting in trouble for domestic violence. And they have football players just come on and go, no more, no more. And this is the thing, like all you're doing is introducing it to assholes. Cause let me tell you something, a guy that beats his wife, you know, and he's doing it during the commercials. He's got his back to this. But my nephew who was raised in a happy, loving, healthy environment sees this commercial and he goes, what's that uncle Gino? And I'm sitting there watching football with my brother. And he's like, and my brother's like, tell him. And I said, Nick, you know how your dad never hits your mother? And he looks at me like, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, you know how your father never like leaves uh, for outer space and comes back? He's like, like, you know how your dad never hit your mother? Yeah. I'm like, Nick, you know how if your dad ever did hit your, your mother, you would call me up crying, Uncle Gino, mommy is killing daddy right now. And he just starts laughing. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you're a good parent, like the, the thought of a man hitting a woman isn't just, isn't, isn't like terrifying. It's laughable in a way. Why would you ever do something that ridiculous? You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it's, you should you should laugh when a man is a woman, but you should, it's laughable if you raise a child, right? That a child would ever be like, why would you ever, you know what I mean? And so, and so that's why I, I want to take it to your album. That's why I thought- you, My album, Uncle Gino is amazing? Uh, your album, Uncle Gino That debuted at number two on iTunes? Number two on iTunes. Debuted at number seven on you Billboard? You could buy it for $9 or <laughs> you know, $9.99 no or whatever. I have to ask you this and then you can get to my album. Because 
I don't understand how any of this works. Like when it debuted at two on iTunes, it's like, obviously that's exciting. I'll say it again. Number two on iTunes debut, that's an amazing thing. Yeah. It was number one on Google Play for like a week. But I don't know how this works. And then like, then you get addicted. Like that first week I'm watching it up and down. It's top, it's top 10 for a week. Then it's like tumbling and down. And then it's depressing. You're reloading then, all then the all, time. It's but little... while you're watching, like, okay, so you go from seven to three. And then you look at the three albums you jumped. One came out in like 1997. Another is a dead guy. So you're like, you're like excited. You're like, well, I guess... I guess I should be excited, even though I just passed Don Rickles, you know, and 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 Robin Williams. I hope you took a screenshot of that. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. Okay. I got a screenshot. Uh, but it's like it has to be somewhere, I guess. So, you, so you're thrilled that it's there, but you're also like you can't care too much because it's you're passing albums that are just staples. You and know mainstays. what? It's the same thing about what you're saying about laughter. That is a, that metric of number two or number one or number seven. That's a hot potato. Apple threw that to you, yeah. and you feel good, yeah. but that's a replacement, a false replacement for laughter and enjoying yeah. life. You basically outsourced your enjoyment of life to that number, oh. and then for a day- Don't you do that with your podcast? You have to wean yourself off no, that? No, I, I don't look. Say, I don't look good, for my don't, books. Don't. I don't look well, for good, my podcast. Because people aren't listening. Hey, Steve, thanks. <laughs> thanks. You can hit pause now and go take a dump. I, I don't know if people are listening. I do. I, I, I no, that's good. Like, you have to let go because you have to live your life. You can't live it with these numbers. And I can't, I can't determine if I think something's quality, I can't let the quality go up or down based on how I think metrics are going to be. I have to have my own internal. I've been doing, I've done like a thousand podcasts between this and other podcasts. Yeah. So I'll have the my own. Effect. Yeah. I'll have my own internal Ask uh, measure. Ask Altature. I did question of the day. I've, done, I've been on other people's podcasts. I have my own internal measurement now of what makes it good or bad. Right. So I don't need well, iTunes to, have to, have to tell me. That, that, like whenever people tell me, uh, me and Berg, hey, your podcast was great. I'm like, I just write back. Thanks. We enjoy ourselves. Because that's all it can be. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. And I'll tell you why. The recipe cards are so easy to follow and I am not a good cook, so I need those recipe cards. The food is pre-measured for you, so there's no waste and everything tastes fresh. HelloFresh employs two full-time registered dietitians on staff who review each recipe to ensure it is nutritionally balanced. They call themselves a fork-to-feel-good company, too, because when you cook and eat delicious and healthy meals, you want to keep doing it again and again. Plus, it's only $10 a meal. HelloFresh currently offers customers a classic box, a veggie box, and a family box. Customers can order three to five different meals per week designed for two or four people. New recipes are created every week. For $30 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter James Altucher 30 when you subscribe. Delicious ingredients you'll love to eat and simple recipes you'll love to cook. Get cooking. Today's show is brought to you by Princess Cruises. I feel like I've made it to the big time if I'm reading an ad for a cruise line. You know, I kind of want to go on a cruise ship. You go around from island to island. It's all fun. It's great food. Totally relaxing. No work. If you could take a vacation anywhere in the world, where would you go? I kind of feel like I would go, I don't know, to the North Pole. But whether you want to climb the ancient ruins of Machu Picchu in Peru or walk amongst the intricate architecture and the chanting cherry blossoms of Tokyo, Japan, 
Princess Cruise Lines can turn your dream into reality. As a matter of fact, voted best itineraries, Princess Cruises sails to over 360 destinations worldwide. And there's never been a better time to plan a vacation with Princess Cruises than during their most popular sale of the year, Sip and Sail. Book a balcony or above and get the best all-inclusive beverage package at sea for free. Enjoy everything from cocktails, wine, and beer to sodas, specialty coffee, and smoothies as you explore world-famous destinations. Just visit princess.com slash james for details. That's princess.com slash james. So let's talk about you and Berg for a second. Okay. So Aaron Berg's another good comedian. I want to say, by the way, he's a fantastic. He's fantastic. Comedian. You're lo- okay. So you released your album, uh, you know, and you had a party, and it was at the New York Comedy Club, and same you, place I taped it. Yeah, yeah. And you, 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 you had a party, and you had uh, a lineup of great comedians. And you had All a friendly friends audience. Of mine that I'm just so lucky to and know. And then. For some reason, you also asked me to go in the lineup. I felt really bad for you, but I, I couldn't say no, no to that. No, because it's all part. I'm like, you got to stop by. This is what we do, you know? But, and then, I, but then, then I wanted you to meet these guys. But then I really reminded you. Remember, you asked me to to put put me up in the lineup because I I wanted to, I wanted to challenge myself. And I was so I glad you got back myself. to me. I'm like, oh my God, James, thank God you got back to me because like that week was just crazy. Oh, you and know? part of that audience, by the way, I filled up a little too. I had thank some, you some fans in there. But um but then uh, you went up, and of course you're doing all your stuff. Like you're so high energy, and we'll get to that in a second. Then Michael Vecchione uh, went up. Is it Vecchione or Vecchione? Mike Vecchione. Mike Vecchione went up, and he's the opposite of you in that he is like he hilarious. Is like, he, he's he's well. He's equally hilarious, but he's a technician. He's like he's, he's like carving of, he's, these. I jokes argue he's out of the best stone. comedy writer out there right now. And he's so quiet and laid back, and everything he does is funny. But he's just soft spoken and quiet, and every joke was genius. The whole crowd was laughing. And then after him, V E C C H I O N E. Yeah, I, I, look. So I'll say it again: V E C C H I O N E. Google his Conan stuff. By the way, his, his album Muscle Confusion is brilliant. Somebody once said, and I love telling this story. Somebody once said, because they watch my set and we're hanging we're hanging out afterwards. And I introduced him like this is my buddy Mike Vecchio. He's a comedian. They're like, is he is he funny like you? I said, he's hilarious, but not funny like me. I'm like, Mike is like a delicate surgeon with his jokes. Yeah, delicate I'm like, surgeon. That's I'm a great like, way to I put it. I smash you over the head, dick joke, dick that, joke, dick joke. That that's why he's on Conan and you're not. Yeah. And 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 he, <laughs> which, which he by the way be. is fine. That's just his path through he comedy. He should be. Oh. And yours is a different path. He should be on, he should have a show. He honestly shouldn't, and I'll tell you why. Uh, well, well, but I want to I finish my story first. So then there was him. Then there was a couple other people who were, who were very good. Then there was Aaron Berg. And Aaron is just, he's like he's similar to you, but a lot more crowd work. He is steamrolling through that crowd. So he is destroying the crowd. So And you can tell, some. I've now seen enough of his stuff. Some of it's prepared, some of it isn't. He is, he is a, uh, destroy you have to see him in action to understand what i mean but he's so much non-stop. energy all he does is right i mean not right but he's always working on like sitcoms he's like he's working on scripts he's running on auditions he, he's hosts all over well he does he does spots too but he's, he hosts at the stand regularly yeah and also Gotham comedy club oh the reason one another one of the i remember all the great the reason i do a podcast with him is we were hanging out at the stand one time years ago and this is more of how everything just falls into place when it should okay uh, this is two Decembers ago, and we're both at Stan, and he, he's like, hey, do you do a podcast? Actually, it's early January, because it was right after my birthday. He's like, do you do what a podcast? Uh, 
what is it, 2017, 2015? Okay. So it's January 2015, okay? No, it's January 2016. That's when it is. That's how quickly it happened. So he goes, do you do a podcast? And I do, and I, I have to bring it back, but I used to do a podcast, and I do during football season called Geno's Picks, right? But my buddy's always like, and you know this, the, what do you have to do with a podcast? You have to put it out there regularly. You have to. So every football- Yes, you have so to be consistent. Yeah, so every football season, I'd peter out because I didn't want to talk other sports. So he's like, do you do a podcast? I'm like, yeah, but it always, and, and I'm like, and I go into the song thing. I'm like, why do you ask? He's like, well, someone asked me if I did a podcast today. And I said, the only person I'd want to do a podcast with is Gino Bisconti. And now I bump into you tonight. And I'm like, I'm like, why don't we start doing it? He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, he goes, how do we do it? I'm like, I walk over with my laptop. I plug in the mic and we talk for an hour. So we do it for about. And oh, and then I, I want to add, by the way, we're in a, a super nice studio yeah. with like the most professional yeah. mics. We've got an audio engineer out there. I don't even yeah. know what that board is, but it could also yeah. launch a rocket ship to Mars. And how uh, many tacos is that guy going to eat? All right, whatever. <laughs> so, bueno, but, bueno, <laughs> bueno, Worko. But right, but you're absolutely right. All, many people say, "Well, how do I start a podcast?" It's Just start technical. talking. Yeah, you can. How do that. I get? How do I do stand up? Go get on stage somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be like. Uh, you know, it's really the material is the most important part. Now, um, you and Aaron are perfect. So I'm going to finish my story. But wait, so, wait, I'm going to finish mine first because this right. is how quickly it happened. And thank right. you. So Berg, because it's all, so Berg, so I'm like, well, so we start. And he goes, oh, so I turn around after, in that same night, and I turn around and uh, this guy, Jeffrey uh, Gorian, do you know him? No. Does a, does a, writes to the Interra Bank. He's like, hey, what are you up to? I'm like, me and Berg are starting a podcast. He writes it up. So we do the podcast. And we call it in hot water because he's like, I have a hot tub. We'll sit in my hot tub and do it, which never happened, but the name sucked. We do it for, for eight episodes. And then I do the Anthony Cumia show, right? And of course I do great because we're great on radio. A week later, Berg does it. And they're like, Berg, I do a podcast with you. They're like, wow. A week later, I do it again. Uh, and they're like, hey, uh, you and Berg do a podcast? And I'm leaving for LA, you know, for a month. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you ever think of doing it in a studio? I'm like, yeah, we, that'd be great. We just do it on laptop. It's so much fun. I, I leave. Berg does it the following week, right? His Legion of Skanks, another great podcast that's on guests. Louis J. Gomez. Louis J. Gomez, a real ass podcast. Uh, good friend of mine. Uh, By the way, he was the MC the next week after you were the MC. Uh, and we've hung out uh, a bunch uh, of times he's since then. Awesome. So, and then I'll wrap. So, Berg goes the next week and they literally say, they're like, do you and Gino want to do a podcast here and replace Legion of Skanks? This is literally March, from January to March, from me sitting at a table with him saying, let's do a podcast to March. Like, yeah. And, and then Berg calls me up in LA. Hey, stupid. Do you know they offered us a podcast last week? That's what he was. I'm like, oh, I wasn't what do you mean? Attention. What do you mean they are? Just tell me the business. Uh, I'm just saying. Deal. So we went from doing it on our laptop in his apartment to doing it every week in the studio. They hired us. We started in June in hot water on Compound Media. We we're, we celebrated a year last month. It's a it's a weekly podcast, but it's televised. You know, it's got the video aspect. And then we'll, and this will tie back into you. And Ehrenberg is so brilliant. Like it's, it's evolved into with the video aspect, the in hot water name stuck. And whoever gets in trouble that week, Berg comes out dressed up as. And you're kidding. And, and so I'm the host. He's a so like, who's in trouble this week? Like Scaramucci, how would he walk Last out? week, last week he came on as Chelsea Handler. Cause Chelsea Handler said, wouldn't it be great if there was a law against racial jokes? Yeah. The first fucking amendment, amendment dipshit. Although. <laughs> Although the tits that she's posted, her tits are fantastic. So, and that's just what it is. And then we interview them and hold them accountable. It's, that's how brilliant Berg is. And it's just him, complete improv. So, so, right. So, so. Complete, brilliant, hilarious, 
So Laugh he, out loud improv. So it's at your party. Yeah, so now I, we're back to you. So right. back to everything so, you want. So we're at your party, the release, uh, the release, you know, party for your album, your, your great comedy album, which we're talking about. And Uncle Gino is amazing. Uncle Gino is amazing. Which you can, one, you which can order on any platform. Number two on iTunes. If you Google GinoBisconti.com, G-E-N-O-B-I-S-C-O-N-T-E.com, that's G is in Gino, E is in Eno, oh, N is in We're going to link to it everywhere. Yeah. So it'll be good. Yeah, I'm and, sorry. And, um, and I felt bad. I really... Didn't want to disappoint your crowd or you. I wanted you this to be a great party. But th that's just it. And I'm going to interrupt one more time and take the compliment. No, These are my stop <laughs> interrupting. <laughs> These are my friends. I'm like, like that. they're like, well, are you going to headline your party? I'm like, no, no, it's my party. I'm going to bring up all my friends. No, you were great as an MC. But then while Aaron Berg was on, I'm like, oh my God, this is, there was Gino, Michael, Aaron. Andy and, Fiore, Ali yeah, Breen. Yeah, she was funny. She was, she was good, like punching up every line. Yeah. Like she was great, brought a great energy to it. Uh, and so I said to my friend that I was sitting next to, I'm going to just tell Gino I'm going, I'm, I'm going to leave. Congratulations on the album. I would have brought you up immediately. Well, right that second, right that second, you said you're up next. Yeah. And, I, and I just said, okay. And two minutes later, I was on stage, but I was like, that, that crowd, your, your lineup of comedians mowed down the crowd. And then there was me, you yeah. know, they've all been doing it 20 years. And then there was me. And I was, and I think I did on a scale of zero to ten, I don't think I embarrass myself, but you're Aaron and you and Michael and Allie, and they just mowed down the crowd. Oh, it's a circus. And and I wanted to put you up earlier, but they all had stuff to get to. So it's like, but it's like that's the beauty of it. Like, I didn't care where I put you up and take the compliment. This is like, it's like you're on this show, dude. Fucking enjoy it, you know? And you met and that's the beauty of it. Like all those guys, they said hi, they're just good fucking people. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And actually, some of the people in the green room like said oh, to me afterwards, good set, yeah. which I've never really seen that happen before. Like it was a nice group of comedians. We're just hanging out. It's yeah. I'm so lucky. And and Allie Breen, who another great comedian who you probably never heard of because she's funny. Uh, oh my God. And as she was walking off the stage, you you said, um, uh, what do I got to do? I have to feed you with an eyedropper <laughs> yeah. because she's like very thin. Yeah. So. Oh, well, we did a roast battle and, and it was me versus her and she killed me. Now, don't get me wrong. She wrote great jokes. She killed you? She killed me because imagine it's like me versus her and a crowd of complete strangers are like, who is this monster? So every time she lit right. me up, you, they you loved could. it. And every, and every time I picked on her, they're like, oh, I'll leave her alone. But don't get me wrong. She, it was hilarious. Like I was cracking up. She's like, Gino looks like Dolce, kill, dresses like Dolce killed Gabbana. Oh, it, it, she just went on and on, but it was it was a fun roast. But I like that Dolce Kill Gabbana. Oh, but she, but it was just it was just great. All right, so back to you. I'm sorry. So so so, so yeah. So then uh, that was it. Basically, it was just that you got uh, you, what what a great lineup, like huge energy. But then I was really just thinking about it over and over and over again. Like I obsess on all these details. I try to think about all these micro skills, and clearly the the energy you and in particularly Aaron brought to that lineup was and brought to the audience and then I had to go on right after Aaron Aaron is like that guy is like a nuclear explosion I had to go I said to and he sits down sometimes like he sits down yeah yeah and no I say Aaron was like two x because and he's like just diving immediately into the crowd and everybody was cracking up in part I think you guys got away with the fact that you had an extremely friendly audience to you. Um, well, that's because I was hosting and like, right. have, and it was for it was a party for you. Uh, but the, the funny thing is, this at is a more, real club though, anybody right. could have walked but in. But half of them came for me, and half of them were just barked in for the show. But we won them over. It's like, look, you people all better come on to the side of the people that came to see me because this is my party, and no, but, all my friends are going to have. And fun. believe me now, I've walked after that. So I went on Tuesday and Thursday uh, of the week after that, and I was thinking at where at New York Comedy Club at Stand Up New York. Okay, I'm sorry. So. Uh, 
Uh, New York Comedy Club was your party. Then I wanted to stand up New York. At 78th Thursday. and Broadway, book yeah. by our friend Candy Clare. You're doing great. Yes, okay. exactly. And uh, and so I went up there and I was thinking so much about you guys. I watched every Aaron Berg video I could find. I watched a bunch of your videos. Not every one I could find. I only did that with Aaron Berg, but you know. Right. And then I watched a bunch of Michael Vecchione uh, videos because I liked his him being in the middle kind of between oh, yeah, you two guys. You have to watch him. He's so, writing the craft. Again, uh, I use technician, but I think your word of, of uh, surgical craft. He's like a surgeon. Yeah. He'll he, write a joke that the comics will be like, that's so funny. And then like, and we'll be like, that's so funny. And we think that's the joke, the end of it. And he's got 13 more bits his, on that joke. His, and we're like, his, <laughs> his, um, I'm a volunteer firefighter. <laughs> like that over and over again <laughs> is just amazing. And I let, let people Google it. Just the way he calls oh. back that volunteer firefighter oh. in every possible he way. He used to be a teacher. You know that, right? Like I, like well, I have such honestly, respect for that. He, and he points it out in his act. He looks so much like a cop. Plus, you could see as a natural performance ability, he should be a cop on like Law and Order or something. <laughs> yeah. So, like, kind of like maybe even the dumb cop who's making all these jokes all yeah. the time. So, but, but I, I learned from that energy that you guys brought to the audience because I think that's another skill set is how do you, where, even when you're feeling low energy or when the audience is low energy, how do you inject energy from like the, outer space or something how do you inject that into the crowd and into yourself you guys did that masterfully and i watched and i learned the way you kind of played with the crowd work now let me ask you this because th this this happened in my very first set um i made a joke that i knew was funny the reason i knew it was funny was and you were the mc for this and, and you me and and donnie the owner of the club uh talked about it afterwards i made a joke that i knew was funny because i had tried it out on like let's say 30 of my friends and, you know, I could tell when they're being honest and when they're laughing hysterically. And the audience didn't really laugh at it. And Donnie even said, uh, maybe that one was a little bit creepy. And you said, no, 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 that was hilarious. That one joke was hilarious. Yeah. And here's the question I have. I've actually now dropped that joke from my set because I think in a five to 10 minute set, I can't build up enough likability with the audience yeah. to pull that one off. It's, it's, a, it's a particularly crude joke and whether it's funny or not doesn't matter you have to be likable first right now you thought the joke was funny you weren't thinking about whether or not i was likable because the, the mc is kind of your job is to be likable right. and then the comedians kind of have smooth to take care it, of them. comedy so, spackle you smooth it over to the next comic just so they you reset the room here we go yeah yeah right so you, i think i think i think donnie was correct that it was creepy i think you were correct that it was funny and i think it I'm, can be both Right, and I think I'm correct that for a five-minute set, I had to drop it out. I think if I had a 40-minute set, it would be towards the end because I'd have to build up the likability. And you know what? I just I saw Dave Chappelle on Sunday, and he even admitted he had a joke for us, but he wasn't. He specifically said, "I've got to build up likability with you guys there before you I say it." Yeah. He didn't say it till 40 minutes in, and this is to a crowd who loved him and play, paid $400 a ticket right. to see him. So likability is a real important skill when they you're on the stage. You. They have to but, know it's not just for shock value. So how do you, you you clearly don't have kind of a, a, a filter in your brain. How do you build up the likability or, or do you not care about it? It's, it's a confidence where, and I always say like some of these jokes are like a loaded gun, like that joke that you shelved for now Fine, you shelved it for now. But imagine, you know, that you're, you know, that you're playing, you know, baseball, you know, and you're just starting out in single A, and we bring you up to face, you know, like Clayton Kershaw, 
you're not gonna do well. You're, you're gonna fucking miss every time because you have to get from here to double A, to triple A, to the majors, to be but, able to face but it. But you're talking about all the skills. I'm just talking about this one skill of likability. But I'm saying the more reps you get in, that like I didn't, now when I'm on stage, I have so many reps, I'm like, I know who I am on stage. And I know if I do a joke about, whether it's a joke about the cutest thing in the world, like my niece and nephew, to the darkest thing in the world, like the Holocaust or domestic violence, I know I'm not doing it for any other reason than to make people laugh. And if you're here- And to, you also know, because yeah. you've tested out, you know where the laughs are, where the groans are, how to play off the groans, yeah. how to play off the laughs, how to play off the silences. You, you have, it's like a, it's like a, you brought up the analogy of poker earlier. I'll bring it up again. When I used to play poker somewhat professionally, I would think in advance of thousands and thousands of situations that it could occur at the table because you have a microsecond to decide what to do. And it's probably even faster on the stage what to do. Yeah. Cause the audience will pick up on any hesitation. Oh, but that's the thing. So it's like, so when I'm up there, I, I, it's not, it's a, it's a likability where there's no middle ground with me. It's like, look, I'm going to tell the joke and you either laugh or don't. It's not going to, I say, I've said it before. I'm like, hey, I get my eight bucks either way up here. I'm not, they, they know I'm not going to, like they seem like, if you don't laugh, I don't care. Like right. I'm trying to make you laugh. I'm not trying to upset you. If you get upset, that's not on me. Right. That's on you. Which is what I think is masterful about your album and why I think it's a masterclass in comedy is because it's not, it's the don't page. Here's what you don't do. Don't no. call the woman in the front row a cunt three minutes in. No. Wait five. No, no, no. It not, it's actually the exact opposite. Is is that you're gonna point out exactly what you're doing, why you're doing it, and why, and you're gonna tell them why they need to laugh. You taught them how to laugh, which I don't see. I didn't see Dave Chappelle teaching people how to laugh. He was just very structured and yep. built up his likability with the with an audience that already loved him. You go right in there yeah. and you basically say, here's why you're laughing. Here's why here's you're going to laugh when you laughing. leave. And here's why you're going to laugh when you leave. Here's why when you go out that door back into that mess of shit where people can't wait to be offended, you're going to be like, I'm not getting offended. And so that's why, and that's why you're able to amp up the energy so fast, so quickly, which is a skill. And why Aaron does it too. Like I've seen Aaron go in now to an audience and within 30 seconds, he's like, uh-oh, you guys are laughing, you guys aren't. We got MSNBC over yeah. here, Fox News. Come on, girl, we know what you were doing backstage beforehand. Like, I amp it up a little bit. In the front row one time, you know, and he just, he, good looking. Yeah, uh, the boat money. Come on, your boat money got you here. I know the exact one you're referring to. No, this was, this was ages ago. This really good looking Indian guy. Somebody's I mean, like, he called him ISIS face. Oh my God, I lost my mind. I'm like, did you call that guy ISIS? And the crowd goes nuts. You know, it's like, it's like we got ISIS face sitting here and the guy doesn't i've i've seen him call out people and they laugh the most of course because a they're being called out and looked at so that's an embarrassing thing for people so those when you point at someone that's a skill too as opposed to talking generally to the audience when you point someone out it puts everyone else on an alert and it puts that guy his mind is going bonkers at that moment because yeah. you're pointing at him in an audience and he might be an introvert or she or whatever and Every, it's a skill. All of these things people think is like kind of organically or, you, or you know, the, the typical advice comics give um, is you just have to get on stage a lot. And then you've said that also. Yeah. But I think what also is important is to realize is that there's at least a hundred micro skills that each has to be developed separately. Like the likability, or if you're not going to worry about the likability, how you deal with that, the way you deal with that is you teach people when to laugh. And the way Aaron deals with that is he dives in so ludicrously, like, you know, he'll say, uh, you know, the first joke, he'll look at some, you know, 
blonde, obviously college girl, innocent, whatever. She's like, he hit the first joke is, so do you do anal? And like, and then he just, he'll dive into that with her for literally for 10 minutes. And (laughs) he'll delve in. And, and then, you know, it's so ludicrous. The audience is a afraid, but they're also laughing at the jokes. And there's all these different ways of dealing with these issues. And it's, I think it's, I, I'm just going to pull it back a second, if you don't mind. Please. It, it, it's related to any kind of mastery I've ever seen. It's like, like whether it's poker or chess or, or sports or business, like take business as an example. People think, oh, if you make a good product, people will buy it. That's actually the totally wrong really? thing. Yeah. It's, it's all about, there's like a hundred people skills involved in building up and selling a business. Because think about all the people you have to deal with, not just product to customers. It's also your employees. It's your partners. It's your stockholders. It's the person who eventually acquires your company. It's the people who might invest in your company. So, so there's so much psychology involved and you have to think second by second, how to deal with every, not as much as you have to do it on stage, but public speaking. Also, you have to think second by second. There's lots of skills. So I think anything you're going to master in, uh, skateboarding, Tony Hawk was describing this to me on, on the podcast. There's like lots of there's not one trick. You can't just go on a ramp and st- and be great at it. You have to learn every sub trick along the way. And I also think there's an innate knowledge because I was talking to a God forgive me the redheaded guy the the flying tomato. Why can't I think of his name? The the Olympian Sean. I'll think of it when I'm not thinking of it. Sean White. Thank you. The, the snowboarder. And I'm like, when you do a jump, like how do you? He's like, I just see it. He's like, when I'm in the air, I see how it's going to go and how it's going to. It's like this muscle that you have that, that like like Tony it's like these guys just see these things like like when I'm on stage and I see like just where the next joke has to be like fucking directed yeah. oh my god and I think I think you and I'm gonna call out Aaron again because I think that's more so that's than like like you said Michael Vecchione he's got his micro skills like everybody like if you work out in a gym some muscles you work out more than others right. so it's the same thing with everything <laughs> so, his joke about muscle confusion which is the thought oh, okay, of Jack so did you ever relate to that he's like he, his joke about and I'm gonna butcher it and it's still funny he's like he's like they say I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher it <laughs> uh, so, so in order to build your muscles you have to do what's called mus- muscle confusion so I'm gonna talk like him a little bit okay. you have to do you have to do muscle confusion so here's what I do I went on a treadmill I smoked a cigarette <laughs> Muscles confused. <laughs> he's brilliant. He's brilliant. He's like, he's like, then he's like, then I'll put it on a jogging suit and I'll just sit in front of the TV and watch Netflix. Hey, what happened there? <laughs> he's fucking brilliant. So, so, but again, different set of skills that he's relying on to build that likability, to get that energy up. So clever. Uh, I even during even during your um, He's my brother's favorite comedian, Mike Becky. <laughs> he's he's one of mine now after your after oh, your lineup, he's just so um, during and he did. By the way, I want to say during your lineup, uh, during his bit, his, his set is much better than any of the YouTube videos out there on him because I think he's working on a lot of new material. It's better and sharper and sharper. But he had one point where I think it was a legitimate um, point where he had to slow down a little bit, and he kind of just leans back and he's like, you know, this was kind of sudden that I came up here, so I got to just compile my thoughts for a second, and the whole crowd starts laughing. Oh, how about? And and this, how about like, because I'm hosting and I never hosted near comedy club. So I didn't know that I was in charge of the light. 
So the light was on when he's on stage. He's on stage 10 minutes and he's like, did I get the light? And what did I do? I walked on stage right next to him. Were you there for yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm like, I was, this I was light? standing right like, next to the and stage. And he's so nice. He's like, come on, dude. I'm like, did he do his joke yet about the eye? About, no, about his car getting stolen. He's like, come on, dude. But he's such a nice guy. And it was so fun to, to okay. play with him like and that. Then, and then you called him out on something. And the very last thing he said was, um, everything nice that I said about Gino's album before, I take it all back. And then he like walked off the stage. Yeah, and then I went up and I'm like, buy his album. And he told me, he's like, dude, I said like, I, 10 people bought my album yesterday on iTunes. Like fucking 100 people should have bought your album on. It's so funny. So so, so here's what I want to do. You, you were the MC at my very first time I was taking this really seriously. And I want to I I just tell you how much... A, I learned from you that night. How much me trying to talk you out of it didn't work, right? Just well, quit no, the you're, no, your your basic advice was, which still is really the most important advice, is hey, go out there and enjoy yourself. Yeah, and that, by the way, is a very difficult micro skill because, and that's something, by the way, that works for everything. Because if you, if you're, let's say you're doing sports and you're not enjoying yourself, your muscles are going to clench. Something's going to clench unnaturally that your brain doesn't know how to handle and you're not going to perform as well. Never so, thought of it that so way. So, and that works for sports. It works for a sales pitch. It works for public speaking. It particularly works for comedy. It works for poker, by the way. If, if, if you and I are playing poker and you were nervous and I was a little better than you, I could certainly tell and then raise you out of the hand. Right. So you would be doomed. I'm not a good, I, have, so, I don't have a poker face. I, could you imagine me playing poker? Woohoo! I mean, I'll raise. <laughs> We'll have to uh, play sometime. <laughs> have to dabble in so, cards sometime. So, but but what I want to do is I want to show you my, and you might remember, you might not. I want to show you my set from when you were emceeing, and then I want to show you my last set just from last Tuesday. Okay. And I want to uh, because I've been breaking it down and changing it. I I change it every week, and and not meaning I rewrite all the material, but I'll change and tweak some jokes. I'll write some new material, but also I've learned so many things about navigating the stage, navigating the audience. Uh, all, all these things I've been trying to identify as micro skills. I've essentially been trying to hack it a little bit because I think there are some skills that don't require the 15 years and some skills that probably do require the 15 years. And I'm trying to figure out the ones that I can skip the 15 years and learn those as much as possible. Because I think you can, if you develop some skills really good, like Michael has that kind of surgical quality and you have that kind of, or Aaron in particular has that crowd work amped up energy quality. Uh, I think if there's some skills you can, you could amp up enough and learn enough that it, it, it drives your set. So I, uh, I want to pause the podcast. I want you to watch the two videos. Uh, I don't share them on this podcast because I'm t still tweaking all the material right. and everything. But, and then I want to talk about them. Okay. So given, and by the way, the only reason I want to do that is because your album, Uncle and Gino is Amazing, is is such a masterclass on comedy. I've been learning so, I'm going to listen to this before my next set, which is, what day is it today? Thursday? Today is uh, Thursday. So my 10th. next set is in four hours or five hours. You know what I'm doing tonight? What? Uh, Are you hosting? Better. We're doing... Aaron Berg uh, is about to have a child with his lovely wife, another comedian. No, do you know Christine Meenberg? No. They're having a baby and they're going to... And the joke, You're going to roast it? Yeah. We're going to do a baby roast tonight at New York Comedy Club. Stop by if you're around, 6.30. Oh my God. I have to be at uh, uh, Stand Up New York at uh, 9. I'm going to stop by. Can I bring my kid? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure, I, I guess That's you can. Insane. Right? Yeah, well, we're gonna grab coffee after this. Like, I'll, like, we'll, yeah. we'll bullshit. What was I gonna say? Uh, so, the, so let's let's the pause. joke he does every week, and then we'll pause because every week he does it. Like, and you have to know Berg. He's like five foot four. 
He looks and, like and baby fish, and he's Jack. And whenever and his wife's a short little uh, girl too. They're, I adore those two. And, and by the way, is he an angry guy? Because like when no. I talk to him, I feel like he doesn't. He's angry at me. No, no, that's just his demeanor. <laughs> uh, but he goes uh, every. He he told his. He wrote this like when she got pregnant. But I ask him every week on the show because it's set up on. They're like, uh, he goes on stage like, who do you, people ask me, who do you think the baby's gonna look like, you or your wife? And Berg goes, me, because I look like a baby. <laughs> so every week I ask him on the show, I'm like, who do you think the baby's gonna look like? And by and by the way, another micro scale because many comedians start off. You have to find some way to relate to the audience. So I've heard him refer to himself as, um, you know, the the Jew Vin Diesel. Uh, now this thing, you always have to figure out what kind of absurdist what thing you look like because yeah. that's an easy way to be vulnerable and likable and then you can start getting into your material. Yeah. So that's uh, in its own kind of micro scale. So I appreciate that. So we're going to pause. Do you have time? It's 12.52. Yeah, hold so, on. Hold on. Let me cancel all my spot. Done. All right. Yeah, I'm good. All right. So you'll listen to these two things and then we're going to come back. Carlos, are you okay with that? We're going to restart the thing. Just pause it right now. Hey, so, buddy. So... Gino, welcome back. Oh, Part feel, two of this episode. I feel like we didn't even leave. I feel like we've just been sitting here the whole time. There was just a little click. So so what happened was, is that Gino was the MC at the first time I went up at uh, this club called Stand Up New York. A little bit more about that club in a second. Sure. And then I just showed you. And then you saw me uh, when I was in your lineup at uh, the New York Comedy Club, which was such an unbelievable lineup. I will say again, that was your party. And... Like I said, I was going. I literally said at one point when when Aaron was up, I'm just gonna leave. I'm gonna tell Gino, congrats. I'm gonna shake his hand. I'll I'll tweet out his album. But I am definitely not going up. And then right. That but aren't second, you glad you went up? I am because right that second you came up to me and said you're up next, <laughs> and I just said okay. Yeah. And 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 then my friend was like, you gotta, you can't back out now. And then like two minutes later, I was up, and. That was that was a scary because I I also told you five and then I apologize I did ten. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so, no one cared. So uh, uh, I kept going. I try. I was just trying out different stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's I just, a party, dude. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah, that's what I figured. It felt like that. Yeah. And I don't think I was obviously on that New York Comedy Club one. I wasn't getting as much out of the crowd as like you or Aaron, obviously. Right. But I felt good. Like people on every joke, there were some people. Oh, thank uh, God. Something been tickling my nose. He just sneezed right in my hair. <laughs> I, I didn't get Sorry as Sorry about that. It I just didn't, tickled. I didn't get as much uh, uh, energy or laughs out of the crowd as you and, and Aaron right. did. But I felt like on each joke, I got something out of the crowd, which made me feel good. Right. Because uh, it, was, it was a difficult moment for me. But whoops. Whoops, 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 whoops. Um, so now you saw, saw my first and you saw one from a week ago. So it's right. five months apart. Uh, break it down for me. What have I learned? <laughs> uh, here's a, I can't break it down, but I can tell you what I saw. Okay. Like one, we talked about that one joke that you said nobody liked and you took that. Like, here's what I liked in your first set. You went up and like, here's what we're going to talk about. You almost did like the sidebar that ESPN does on SportsCenter and PTI. Right. And the funny thing is, you said, I'm going to talk about this, this. And when you said, we're going to talk about child abuse, incest and rape, they laughed, which was 
funny. And then right because I think the so so hey, let me ask you this because sure. I stopped doing that uh, that sidebar right. thing. And I and I it's funny you say that about ESPN. I thought I did it like the ESPN thing. I wanted people to relate to that Which part was, of it. I've never seen anything like that. And, and, and I thought that was neat. And I started off with like some very simple stuff like we're going to talk about parenting and maybe economic. I forget exactly what I said. Right. And then I go into the child abuse, rape, and then and I laughed at that. And that's the joke we're talking about that that you took it out, but it's funny. It's funny, but you know what would happen? Let me ask you this. So I noticed that exactly half the time, the crowd would go crazy for that joke and would laugh hysterically. And the other half of the time, not only would there be dead silence, but twice I got heckled. And uh, Define heckled. What'd they say? This guy is upsetting me. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then afterwards, Ashley Morris, you know her? She was yeah, the MC that she's night. She's great. Yeah, she's great. I, I like her a lot. She said to the guy, like, are you okay, sir? Can we get you a free drink? Like, that's how bad he was upset. Oh, and, but, but, but see that. But, the, but here's what I did, though. That I, guy's, but that's that's people who go to a comedy. A, let me say it slowly so people understand. A comedy club, and they want to make it about them. You ready for this? Because yeah. I, I, I want to tell you where I'm going with, with, with what I think you, not should do, but like, I think it's fascinating about comedy. My show, the Gino Bisconti album release party that you were a part of. Yeah. One woman complained that she didn't like the comedian Gino Bisconti. Do you understand? She complained. It's like, why are you at a comedy club? Because people want to make it about them. I do a bit about the word faggot where I literally break down, like, don't give power to words. And everyone in the club, I'm in Chicago this week, everyone in the club, one guy comes up at the show, he's like, I was offended by that, gay guy. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but do you understand how I was actually defending like our right to say words and how I showed nothing but respect? No, it wasn't funny. So you're saying, and this gets back to the guy that needed, you're saying everyone that's laughing is wrong. And when I get upset, I'm, it's so fucking off-putting these people. But here's what I'm saying about, when you said this is about, we're going to do jokes about child abuse. And, and then you said incest and then rape. I, and then people by the way, laugh, but imagine if you said, because this is my thing, because they're laughing at a friend, if you said baby vagina, if you said, and this is just, and I'm not, I, I don't want to yeah. do this yeah. and bulletproof fix this, this, and this, because I don't know. Right. But the thing that, that, that I- No, and that's fine. I just, I actually just want to get your raw, But here's why, perfect. But I, 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 if you said we're going to talk, and, and, and part of that incest is baby vagina, like, and then when you got to it, they'd be like, I almost think they'd be like, oh, this is what he's talking about, because it's a funny- joke and when and when you say masturbating five minutes later and you can't do right it's so funny. so funny on the very first set right but one you, more thing because i want to answer your question i yeah. want to answer your question okay. it worked half the time didn't and i'm not saying but a lot of I times i figured out why by the way but go ahead oh was it your confidence like sometimes you'll tell the joke and it's your expression like if you're nervously telling that joke that's not going to work well, but if you're confidently telling that joke, like, because you know it's harmless, innocence, you're, this is you being, remember, you're being a good parent. That's why you're going into every fold, if I may. You're being a good parent. That's you. You're not being a creep. It just it sounds creepy that you're being a good parent. If that's your mindset, I think it works. Every, I love the joke. I'm laughing out loud at it like yeah, an idiot, and you. I know it's coming. Yeah. Half because I know the joke and half because I'm like, I remember that. Well, you know, okay, so you make a so good there, point. So you, you make you, uh, With so, that part. With that part. So we make, you make a really good point about the commitment. So I was talking to um, 
John Max, he was uh, Jay Leno's uh, uh, monologue writer for 22 years. And uh, so he was on the podcast and he said the most important thing is commitment to the joke. Even if it's not going out, you got to the bit. You got to the bit. You got to commit to it. And I can't half ass it. I think the problem I would have is is if I felt like any low at that time, I think I'm a little better at it now. I think at that time, if I felt any low energy in the room, it was harder for me to commit. And I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to full it. Do you need to take the? No. No. Girlfriend? X. Oh, yeah, don't don't take that. Mm. Why is she calling? What's that? Why do you want me to pick it up? No, because she's crazy. <laughs> Let's pick her up. She's on the podcast. We're not, no, we're not. That's a lore, uh, that's the worst thing you could do. What? With that. There's a, a there's a there's a boundary? Yeah, when, well, let me tell you, when a 28-year-old's banging a 48-year-old, there's father issues there. Okay. Right. Yeah. And for you as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, now he's funny. What? So, so okay. So so uh I think. Particularly in the beginning, I had a hard time. If I felt the audience was turning against me, I would have a hard time committing to right. later jokes. Right, but so you can't do that. How do you how do you get your energy back to commit? And and by the way, I didn't think of that until you said it. But uh, I had another reason that I analyzed on that. Joke. Go on. I, I'm curious what you okay. think. I bet it's the same, so, slightly different. So so I watched every video I had done of that joke. So maybe there was you're watching game tape, James. Yeah. You're in there. You're locked yeah. in. You're rewinding it. You're clicking oh, yeah. it back right? completely. And so and I'm trying to think. What is different that half the crowd that half the time the crowd is not just chuckling, they're guffawing at it and clapping and everything, and the other half the time dead silence because it can't be it can't be the joke. There's got to be something else going on. And what I figured out was in the times when they were laughing, I knew at least one person beforehand in the audience. So in other words, that's confidence. So so that's just it. Do you understand? That, You're but, saying the same thing. No, the no, fact, no, no. Okay. no, no. I think I think what's happening is that guy or girl likes me already, so is beyond the, is this guy a creep or not? And is able to laugh and then virtue signal to the rest of the crowd, it's okay to laugh. But you're looking at it the wrong way. And I think you just precisely proved my point. You just said you had someone in the audience and everything you just said, yeah, but you're telling the joke knowing that. So you're telling the joke confidently. Maybe. I no, thought, you don't think me, it's, you don't think it's a virtual signal thing that everyone's looking around, should we laugh at this? No, and, and I, I honestly believe it's, look, they're not- And then they see a guy James, or a girl laughing at They're it. not looking around. They're looking at you and they're seeing a guy that's confidently telling the story because he believes they're looking around at the one guy laughing. But then he, they hear someone laughing. So they figure, oh, it's okay to laugh. Maybe. But but trust me, are they? So you're saying you heard your? Did you, okay? Now I'm a shrink. So you heard your friend laugh first, and then everyone else did? Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. Are you serious? That's what happens. To, that's life. That's you. Oh oh, it was okay for this guy. My friend did it, so it's okay I, for me. I, I can't imagine that you did that, but I believe you. But I'm telling you, in my, you can't convince me otherwise that it wasn't that you knew you had friends. It's it's this. It's the confidence. Okay, if you go in and tell the joke, and I'll tell you something else. The other thing I really garnered from watching the first and and. Like you're okay, but then let's go back to this one because I want to ask about right, commitment. Well, but but go ahead. Okay, so commit to the bit and 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 but be I, I want to ask about that skill. But but one, be confident that you're a good parent that that's investing that's that's going into the folds. Okay, let me let me unpack both of those things. Okay, so so a commitment is important for everything you do. So if you're doing again, I'm gonna always bring it back to if you're if you're bluffing in poker, you've got to commit to the bit. Yeah. If you're making a sales pitch, you got to commit to the bit. Yeah. If you're uh, Doing ask, open heart surgery, you have to commit to the bit. Yeah, if you're asking a girl out, you have to commit to the bit, or or making a having a difficult conversation with an employee or or a parent or whatever. So so this is an important skill, and it's and it's hard to develop. Uh, how do you think 
So I so let's let's assume you're right and I'm wrong on the on the what I say was the I virtue think we're signaling. Both right though. But but so let's say I didn't have a friend in the audience and I'm going that uh, crude that fast because this is only a five minute set, six minute no, set. Uh, how do you commit when you feel like the energy is going against you a little bit? How do you? How, what's a what's a? Is there a hack? You had the answer the whole time, Dorothy. Just know who you are going into the bit when you're doing it. When you're telling any bit with someone on stage, okay, excuse me, when you're telling any bit with a friend of yours in the crowd, right? When you're telling any bit with a friend of yours in the crowd, you know who you are. You're like, oh, my buddy knows this story because he knows like who I was when I did it. So you're right, he know, maybe I'm kind of subconsciously thinking, I know I'm not yes, because I have my friend here. And it here. shows, <laughs> like somebody told me this age ago, like, if I do the joke, and this is why it helps that I'm usually in a good mood, if I do my act with a smile on my face, which I usually do, it works. But if because I Because that increases likability too, it's natural. Plus instinct. they know it's a joke, but if I say the same joke with like an angry, aggressive look, they're gonna be like, what? You don't hit women and you don't hit them hard. Whoa, what's this guy's problem? Look, you don't hit women and you don't hit them hard. That's the difference. It's, they're looking at you. And when you're telling that joke, like this is like me, just I'm, I'm a father and I'm good at what I do, but I'm overwhelmed. They're siding with you. You're not being a creep, you're just a guy well, in over his head. So there, there's, a, there's a second thing you're saying there, which is really interesting. Plus, here's another thing that's, that, like I noticed this, like you have a great storyteller vibe like mm -hmm. you're not a joke teller mm -hmm. like i shouldn't tell you what you are you don't know what you are you're, you're you're finding your way but i enjoy watching you tell the story i enjoy the genuineness of you know like like when you you you, you talk you talk you do this you know and you you kind of you yeah. kind of get a running start it's fucking you it's fucking genuine and they're in the moment when you're telling that story and you're just telling it like that you know like and but I, I still structure it so there's a punchline of course you structure it but but here's the thing. Which is different than just straight storytelling like in public yeah, speaking. Yeah, but here's the thing. Don't rush to the punchline. Just take your time getting there because you know mm. where the punches are and enjoy the story. Like enjoy telling the story because you you were enjoying yourself that second set a lot. Like I saw that. Oh I yeah, the second that. set. I so noticed that. That's 40 sets later. <laughs> and, but, isn't so, this, but this is what we're saying. Yeah. You said it, you know, 10... You have to enjoy yourself. Yeah. So if you're up there saying this, I got to make this joke work. I got to figure out why this joke isn't working. Let's hope it works this time. That's work. See, but when you're just telling the story, it's going to work. See, what what I'm getting from this, particularly on, on this one bit, but, but other things, is one way to have confidence. Like, I never, I was always thinking of it as, is this funny or not? So I say that whole initial part of the joke and then I get extremely crude. Right. And I sort of think that segue itself is funny. That to me is funny. And um, But you're taking it one level deeper, which is that I, I should have confidence of where inside of me the joke is coming from. So the joke is coming from this sort of, you know, yes, I'm a good parent. B, I'm conflicted about parenting because it's a very difficult thing. And that combination is what produces that well, joke. Here's the thing. It's not like you're making this story up, you right. know? This really happened to you. It's Well, the crudest part did it. Yeah, but, uh, but you know what I mean? Like, but, but you don't get there unless you're... So just tell the story from your point of view, from your perspective. And I feel like we're getting too specific, like for the listeners right now. And this is more of a workshop thing between me and you. But trust me, if, if there's one generic thing, when have fun. And know who you are up there. Don't backpedal. Like, don't worry about are. them liking you for when you tell the joke. Worry about the fact that you're like, look, I'm just, I'm just sharing my friggin' problem, my mania with you of how you know I was doing this and and how how this happened. And oh, see, I think that's what you do very well in your album. Uncle Gino is amazing. Thank you. Is that when you're when you have to kind of take it a step back, you kind of 
meta-analyze what you're doing and make it funny in the bit itself. Yeah. Which I think is really important. I love doing that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, continue with any uh, kind of broader feedback that, that- Honest to God, without getting too specific, those are the two things I noticed. One, like, I, and this is the specific. And between first and last. Yeah. Uh, one, just how how it's amazing the leaps and bounds you make when you're first starting. Like, yeah. and you really were having so much more fun the second set. You know, like the first, it's that, it's that, I almost said unicorn. It's that unicycle analogy where the yeah. first, I saw you trying to get your bounce and now this much later, you're like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I'm up yeah. here. I, I know, I, I know I'm going to fail with a lot of these, but I'm having fun. And it's just, you're more comfortable and you morphed into this guy telling stories. You know, like there's two different ways to do stuff. You know, like, well, there's a lot of different ways. Like yeah. you see me, I'm like, boom, boom, yeah. boom. And we talked about Becky Owen, how he's surgically yeah. going through stuff. But there's there's like storytelling shows and stuff and you should explore them. Like you, and I, I don't want to force you too much into a direction, but I just, that's the one thing I noticed. Keep doing it because you're having fun and you're 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 in that stage and it's there's a jealousy. That, like you're just, this, you're just finding yourself, little man. You're just finding your voice and you're having fun with it. And that's, Everything else will take care of itself. But the two things I will tell you, and I will tell any comedian, right. know you're up there because some people aren't. And I wouldn't what have- What do you a, mean, know you're up there? I, well, I interrupt my- Know you're up there because you like making people laugh. You know, you're not mm. up there. Like, look, th 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 there are comedians up there, like the hot chick syndrome. Don't get me wrong. Allie Breen's very attractive, but very funny because she doesn't think of herself as attractive. She's telling a story. But people are like, oh, I'm funny. People care what I have to say. You ever like watch a comedian be like, who the fuck ever told this guy he was funny? They just want to hear themselves talk. It reminds me of uh, something Walter Mondale once said, you know, vice president. Oh, we're quoting, oh I quote yeah. him all the time. So, yeah. How old is he? Probably about seven, 80. Yeah, and you're my age. So, so, but he, uh, he once said, everybody laughed at my jokes when I was vice president and then they stopped. <laughs> yeah. so, but, uh, that's, but just know you want to make people laugh. That's why you're up there. So, but, but then, but then, but you're saying something else too, which is for each thing you say, know the deeper part of yourself where it's coming from. Yes. Oh, without a doubt. Because then you know, then you could defend. Then you're from a position of You have to be able defense. to source where they it's coming from. They can't throw you off balance. Right. Otherwise, right. Well, if you can source where your voice is coming from, you know, rather than just be like, oh, I'm just saying, like when I do a joke about hitting women, you can tell, like, I've never laid a hand on a woman, you know, like, and right. it's it's ridiculous to me. So that's why when I'm saying it, it's like, like, there's a point where if anyone dare gets offended by this and, you know, looks at me like I'm laughing, like, oh yeah, that's why I came to a comedy club to rally all the people that want to start another Holocaust. We'll put you in a group and then we'll find all the guys that like hitting women so we can hang out. It's like, no, there's a source from inside me. Like all of this is, I'm in such a good mood. How dare anyone not be in a good mood? You need to be as in go as good a mood as I'm in right now, and I'm going to help you do that. I'm going to help you do that when you leave, and I know that with every joke I say. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Everything that's coming out of my mouth, like I don't care if I if I say how gorgeous my niece is or how how humorous the Diary of Anne Frank can be. Everything from there, there to in between, I'm trying to make you laugh, and that's the greatest thing you can do. And if you think I'm just trying to shock you, well then I can't help you but you came to a comedy club, enjoy it, take this in and take something when you leave. Like, I don't want people to leave and be like, all right, I'm done. No, I want them to leave and remember the shit I told them. Be like, yeah, it's why don't I laugh it, more? It's interesting because I think I've been doing this a little bit more lately, taking a little bit of the meta approach. Like if someone doesn't respond, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Like I'm going to say, here's why that was funny or or call it out a little bit. Like, like, uh, um, you know, I'll say, I can't believe you're groaning at that. You know, we, you know, I have a whole thing now, if, if, depending you on what's happening. And, and here's one more bit of advice. Mm -hmm. You can't do anything wrong. You're just starting out. 
you you can't do anything wrong. You can make mistakes, but that's a let me okay. Tell you. But I don't agree with that. So like, but but uh, let me clarify: making a mistake on stage isn't doing something wrong. Right. Like you just said, it's like you're like, well, this guy got so mad he needed a drink. You didn't do something wrong. You learned like from getting on stage. So you can't. That's what I mean. You can't oh, do anything wrong. That's true. I definitely. That's what I mean. I definitely don't get upset at anything. Right. I never get upset. That's why I go to the video right. and analyze. And I I totally am aware that I am a beginning student. Right. But what I try to do is, and and this is always a technique I recommend to people. Uh, you know, there's that saying, you're the average of the five people around you. So I won't do open mics or beginner mics. I'm only going in a lineup where everyone else is like a one hour Netflix special or has done a bunch of shows or has released an album. I want to know that if I go up, there's a reasonable chance I can do well enough that people in the audience won't realize I'm different than right. the crew that time, which is hard. So it's an extra challenge for me. And so I, sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't. So that's 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 the challenge. But I think I'm better now than the beginning. Well, yeah, you have to be getting better or what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've and I've seen guys that have been doing a lot longer that stopped improving cuz oh, well, I'm booking a club now. You're booking a club. No. No, you're just you, you get on stage. You know what I mean? It's like you have to like always be working on the next joke. Like that's that's a great Sinbad story who I never met. But when I I have actually. I interviewed him at the Aspen Comedy Festival in he's 1997. He's an amazing guy, isn't he? He is a very good guy, yeah. I, and he was really interested. Like the internet was just kind of happening for a lot of people. He was. Do you very, have an interview with him? Because I listened to his interview with Mark Maron, which was incredible. On on that one, on I'll the, I'll find this from 1997. Oh, so okay, it's a long time ago. But I'm saying when actually this 2001, I move up here, and he he's in Wilmington, Delaware, working the Grand Opera House, and he goes across the street to this bar I used to work at, and all my friends are like, "Oh my God, you're Sinbad. Our buddy Gino just moved up to New York. He wants to be a comedian. Could you uh, sign something for him?" And he signs it, Gino. Good luck. Never met me. Gino, good luck. You're you're one joke away. And I still have that in a frame because you're always one joke away. You're uh, always, that's the other thing. You're always writing the next joke. If you write this like, this is my set, you know, like, like uh, and you're just doing the same set on the road like 15 years later, you're not a comedian. You're doing a job. You're like, all right, here's yeah, my thing. That's a really good point. Yeah. So th that's the thing. Just keep fucking, know that you can't do anything wrong. You can make mistakes, but you're not doing something wrong. Mistakes are great. Yeah. You know, if you're not falling, you're not learning, all that shit. But keep having I, fun. I, I, and keep... I think to add to that, I think you need to take ownership of the mistakes. So, yeah. uh, so oh, no, no, that crowd sucked. That crowd didn't yeah, suck. I never will say that. And no. I hate anybody who says no. that. Yeah. So, and even, even that heckler, I don't blame him. That's why I had to look at all the videos to see what was going right. on. So I needed to do something so that everybody could have a fun time. Yeah. There was something I was doing wrong that prevented people from having a fun time in that room. Right. So not just him. From now him on, might whenever be an you outlier. do that joke, whenever you do that joke, honest God, be like, Gino thinks this joke is hilarious. All right, I will. Remember but, that. But remember, but now, I don't know if you notice, in the second- So, so the tagline would be like, Gino's a fucking idiot after it bombs. <laughs> Who's Gino? <laughs> so I did take the crudest part out in the uh, in the second time. What, the masturbate part? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, you got to get that back in there. All right, maybe I will at some point. I mean, I'm not ready thing, yet. As I've said to many people, because I think the joke's I funny. I think it's with, funny, which probably means it's terrible. I think but. the joke's funny without it, but I think I'm going to wait for like a 15, 20 minute set to here's get it what, back Here's in what there. I want you to do later. Watch that first set again and watch. You didn't commit when you did it. You did. Oh, uh, yeah. You didn't. You'll see. Because like they didn't go with you. So you're like, uh, be like, be uh, like, trust yeah. me. Like, you know the joke I do about Anne Frank. And I'm like, because I cry. When, I'm like, I don't backpedal at all. It's like, you don't like that. You're going to hate this. And that's what you do. Like, well, I. You know okay. what I mean? So, so, and again, I feel like we're being too cryptic for the no, listeners. No, 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 and for that, no, I apologize, because, no, guys. No, but that's, that's why I'm going to back it up. So committing, and again, I've talked about this with, with John Max and, and Jay Leno. Um, 
committing to a bit is the same thing as every. Thought I was looking in my reflection. Me and Carlos were both drinking coffee at the same time. I'm like, God, I'm a good looking Mexican. <laughs> um, committing to the bit's important for any activity. If you're like, you know, again, from poker to sales to sports to whatever to learning an instrument, sure, to any kind of performance. Um, but also, so let me ask you what you do. You're in the middle of Cocaine. something. Oh, <laughs> what? What? Pause. What? You got that silence coming in, and what do you do to say, okay, you know in that microsecond, I just lost somebody. I don't know who. I can't tell yet. What do you do? It's funny because my first album, which was called This Isn't What I Do For Fun, and we used to joke, like, and it was before I had, like, what I do now is I just I, I just keep going because I, 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 and I don't ignore it, but it's like, look, I know that joke was funny. I don't say I know that joke was funny. I'm like, I know that joke was funny, but this crowd, like, look, we're going to keep doing this. It's it's like my parents should say, I'll give you something to cry about. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's, it's like, look, I'm going to keep going. Like, I get my eight bucks either way. And you just know that, like, the next joke, all right, if you didn't like that, maybe like this. But trust me, when the crowd doesn't laugh, remember this. Sometimes that's good because they laughed at your other joke. Like, trust me, you watch Comedy Central now. It's like everyone laughs at everything. Why? Because they stopped the tape. Oh, I'm going to miss At Midnight. You ever hear, oh, and I did a rant on this on the show. Hey, you ever have some young comic, hey, did you see At Midnight last night? No, I was on stage at midnight. I was hanging out at a club at midnight. I was doing hookers and blow at midnight. I'm living my life at midnight. I'm not frigging on, you know, watching like the internet and tweeting fucking shit. You know what I mean? I forgot what I was saying right before that. What was my point? Cocaine. Uh what do you do when there's silence in your act? Oh, so that's the thing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So that's the thing. Like, so when people are tweeting on at midnight and this, this trend, like people are typing 140 characters saying, oh, this is funny. Everyone in the world's laughing. Everyone's laughing at my tweet. When people, and you watch Comedy Central, that was my point, where they stop the show and say, can you laugh bigger? Get out of your mind. So, really? I didn't so really do that. imagine if I laughed at every single thing you said. Would, would every single thing you said be funny? No. Would you know what was funny and what wasn't? No. So imagine they don't laugh at one of your jokes. Okay, well, go to the next one because when they laugh at that, they genuinely like that joke. Did you? And, and don't sit there being like, like, oh, looking over your shoulder at the joke you just missed because you're going to fucking not be in the moment for the next joke. So, so, so I read an interview recently with Stephen Colbert where he said when he's bombing, he lean, he, it's not like he learns from it afterwards. He leans into it right then. What do you think he means by that? What do you mean? He leans into it. Yeah, he just, he he enjoys the bomb. Oh, yeah. Well, well that's the thing. It's like, it's kind of the same because it's like, well, they're, enjoy the bomb. Because look, you're going to tell the joke again. You're going to get on stage again. It's like when guys blow the light. Fucking, what are you doing? You're trying to you're trying to get one more joke in. There'll be other days for the Andrea Gale, to quote the fucking perfect storm. If you know you're going to get on stage again, why are you trying to get off on a laugh? Get Just get off and do it again. Lean in. If it's dying, lean into it. Savor it, because that's why we're up there. It's a rush. You know what I mean? And then go to the next joke. And if they like that, great. Then you know they really like that next joke because they didn't like the one before. And if they don't like that, keep going. But but trust me, you want a genuine audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if that joke bombed because it wasn't funny or because the crowd sucked, you figure that out. Like, you figure that out at a later date or maybe you get to the point where in your mind you can analyze it while you're... But you just keep going and you lean into it. You're like, all right, that died, huh? All right, let's... And, and you know, don't turn on the crowd. Be like, oh, fuck you, you didn't... When they go, oh, fuck you, that's funny. Oh, come on, dude. Try harder. Was it funny? Not to them. It, it, it's what I said earlier. One or zero. Yes or no. Laughter or not laughter. If they didn't laugh, they didn't laugh. On to the next one. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, uh, would you ever take a situation like that and say, okay, this is where I'm going to do the pace and, and then I'm going to get back to the Einstein? 
<laughs> I don't I don't know. It, every every set, every moment is different. Like that's the one thing to revert back to Pam Grout. It really helps you be in the moment. Like when I'm on stage and I'm in the moment, I'm having more fun than anyone yeah, in the room. And it translates. You and it shows. Like you're like a maniac on the stage. You're yeah, like, we, well, we were talking about that. Like the album. When, like and everything in my life it, it works it, it's that energy i draw on the people i need like I, like so i i wanted to I, i'm hanging out with my buddy kevin dabrowski who you who was the host on the album uh great comedian and we're we're driving to a gig and i'm like uh i'm like he's like you need to do a new album so i literally i'm like i do this is like last fall and i text emilio i'm like hey i want to do an album he's like pick a date so so emilio who savone who runs new york comedy club great club so he's like pick a date so i pick a date and then I'm about to do it. I'm like, I need a, I need a record label. I was gonna. Why do you need a record label? You don't. I was gonna self-produce, but this I'm, is what I would have done. Right. But I'm gonna self-produce, and I'm like, well, maybe get. It. But they help with so much stuff. Like and, what? Like they help market it to. Like, trust me, I would not have like soared that high. Yes, it, you would have. Okay. Well, my point is, so I go through Comedy Records, right, out of mm -hmm. Canada, and they like handle all the the producing and all this stuff. Uh, they get me the sound guy. They edit it up there, and it's just like. Those people, uh, when they oh, this is my point. When when they hear my tape on, uh, they see my Gotham tape. They're like, oh, that's great. We love your energy. So then I'm like, all right. Well, the, then when we do the tape, I'm like, how was the tape? I'm like, did you like my energy? I'm like, on the Gotham. They said, yeah. I said, now imagine me in a room sold out twice with people that came to see me and you know that just want to see me do well. And the energy, and this was my point, the record label stuff aside, we can talk about that. The energy on this is, um, I have amazing energy to begin with, but you hear the energy on that. It's like, yeah. oh my God, I am, if I'm doing well, I'm having so much fun because I genuinely like making people laugh. I like and what you, people are happy you know, like me. You know what also I like, and I think I think this is sort of a, a last important lesson of what you did with this comedy album is, you know, I have a book called Choose Yourself. I think people need to kind of avoid the so-called gatekeepers, like you right. didn't, you didn't need Netflix to call. You weren't like there's five thousand comics out there right now waiting for Netflix to call them. Right. You and they're only going to call fifty people this yeah. year, and and of those fifty, only twenty five are going to make uh, uh, more than a hundred thousand dollars. So so you're not waiting for Netflix to call you. Right. You're you you booked a club, got an audience, did an album, yep, released it all on your own. I don't know how much money you've made from it so far, but it's probably bringing in a stream of income. Yeah. And you could do it again tomorrow. The stand-ups on Netflix. Watch the first episode, Nate Bargatze. Absolutely brilliant. Squeaky clean. Good friend of mine. I watch it with my niece and nephew. I'm like, you're going to like him better than me. are like, no, Uncle Gino, but he's really funny. <laughs> All right, I'm going to watch it. I like uh, Dan Soder also. Oh, Dan uh, Soder's on the stand-ups too. He's, he's the last yeah, episode. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Love him. But Bargatze is a good friend of mine too. I, I mean, Dan Soder's a good buddy of mine too, but yeah. All right, what's your what's your what's five favorite books that you would recommend? Uh, other than the Diary of Van Frank. Are you I love this question. One, without a doubt, far and away, The Prophet. I know it's an epic poem. I, I like it. Khalil Gibran. Yeah, The Prophet. People like it, it it gives you the cliff notes to every fucking the Quran, the Bible, the Torah, whatever. Yeah. Just read The Prophet. Two, The Plague by Albert Camus. Uh, I like that. The only thing worse than despair is the habit of despair. That's the same thing as like, it's it's okay, like where I say you can't do anything wrong. He basically says, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad. But when you wake up every day expecting to be sad, you've lost your mind, okay? Uh, the other one, uh, what's it? Oh, Siddhartha, Herman yeah. Hesse. Herman Hesse. Oh my book. God. Did And did you also realize that the, what their, that time does not exist, Vasudeva? That one's fantastic. Um, Those are the three that leap out. Okay, anything by Dostoevsky. 
Anything. Okay. I mean it. Like, like my favorite. And does he really spell his name three different ways? <laughs> if you Google it, it comes up. I, I would say, I would say the brothers Karamazov, but I'm telling you, my favorite was actually Crime and Punishment. I really liked the writing of that. I thought it was great. Okay. All right. And That's the, good. And the fifth one? Sure. Oh we, my God. God forgive me. And I'm not making this up. God forgive me. E squared. Pam Grout. Changed right. my life. I cannot, but Pam, I'm so sorry if you're listening. That that led me to read E-Cube. That li- led me to read her book, Thank and Go Rich. I pre-ordered, I, I can't remember the thing. Led you to my book, The Power of No. It led you to your book. I'm sorry I didn't put yours on there. <laughs> uh, the Power of No. Uh, but E squared, I swear to God, that just, put me, oh. Oh, no, no. Uh, and, and one more just because. Uh, Throw it out there. Uh, the late, oh my God, I can't think of his name. The, the guy that wrote all the books, the bald guy. Wayne, Wayne Dyer. Dyer. Wayne Dyer. He's been on my podcast. Oh, I met him once. He was, I don't get, like, I don't get uh, shell-shocked. You know, we're famous. Like, I don't get tongue-tied. The only people that I ever got tongue-tied when I met, Wayne Dyer, uh, Jonathan Brooke, a chick singer. You ever met her? Yeah, yeah. You know her? We, we, um, don't she performed right after me in a conference. I was like the last speaker. And then she, she thinks performed. I'm going to kill her because I met her once and I'm like, I'm just, oh my no, God. No, she's great. I'm like, I'm your biggest fan. She's like, this guy's going to wear my. I think skin. I'm Facebook friends with her. Oh, uh, yeah. And Peter Falk. I talked, I never really? met him, but I, because t- I loved Columbo growing up. Uh, oh, the book, but I can't think of the title by his book. What is it? Uh, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, which sounds like some stupid Oprah self help book, but it's the Dow Day Ching. He read yeah, 900 yeah, I, trans- I remember that one. Yeah, that's, that's a the, good one. Yeah, so that's the six. I can't believe I forgot that. I, I don't have any more because I lent it to someone. But his Dao Day, it's like a daily Dao Day Ching with his, he he like reads 900 translations, gives his the, the, his perfect translation, yeah. and then just tells you how to apply it. Those are G- the books. Given this set, I bet you would also like Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach. So that fits right into this set. Illusions, Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. You know what I just read? The Kite Runner. If you like, Great sh- book. If you like child Beautiful. rape, this is a book for you. <laughs> but it is a brilliant book. Brilliant. And all Wait, who's bo- it by? Kal- uh, Richard Bach. Okay, go on. Be- Thank you. So all of Khaled Hosseini's books, who wrote, he wrote The Kite Runner, they're all good, like uh, A Thousand, Many Splinters, something yeah. like that. I forget the titles. But uh, okay, and what's uh, oh. five comedy specials other than your album? Uncle, well, Gino, uh, Uncle Gino is amazing. Um, Five comedy specials. Uh. Any of the, I grew up, my parents were older, so I grew up watching the the Dean Martin roast, which is why, by the way, by the way, here's a comedy special, but it's not. Google Gino Bisconti, Mike Vecchione roast battle. Because back when roast battles were fun, you know, before they became this, now it's all about the judges and stuff. The first ever roast battle in New York City at the stand when they brought it here from LA was me and Mike Vecchione. And that's how a roast should be. Oh my God, Mike was going to tear you apart, right? Because he's so calm. He won, but he won. Watch it. He won because I say, like, everyone's like, I did great. I did great. But Mike pitched a perfect game. Like, yeah. you'll see. And the judges, Rich Voss, Bonnie McFarlane, and Aaron Berg. It's like, it was, it's it's a symphony of just, I mean it. Like, watch it. Like, we're having so much fun busting each other's balls. Uh, so any of the, five comedy specials, any of the Dean Martin roasts, any of those, okay? Right. I wouldn't have thought that. And and I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of specials. I don't because, you know, it's like, oh, uh, I'll say it's not a special but David tells Skankster the Memories album because comics are always like, comics are always like, here's what you do. They're like, uh, they're like, oh, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to get the prior album. I couldn't, I didn't run out and get comedy albums when I was a kid growing up because I was laughing all the time at home. I grew yeah. up in a great, but I could listen to Skankster the Memories by Atel right now, three hundred times in a row, and I will laugh right, just as hard the third time. Um, and his road stories on on Netflix. Um, I'm telling you, like nothing leaves to mind. Watch the stand-ups. 
Watch the stand-ups. On Netflix? Yeah, watch Nate Bargatze, episode one, the stand-ups. Oh, I just watched it. Norm MacDonald. There's no middle ground with him. He has a special out now on Netflix. Just came out. Watch that. And the first Chappelle. Watch Chappelle's Netflix special. There you go. Excellent. Well, Gino, I have to highly recommend. Uncle Gino is amazing. The comedy album is not just funny. I, I mentioned there was like four layers. And then you threw in a fifth layer, yeah. which was dick jokes. That yeah. was the, your, which is your Einstein eating paste. It's Einstein eating paste. Thank you, Dante Nero. So so I, I highly recommend this album. You can get it on iTunes. If you go to Gino, uh, it's not a video special. It's, a, it's an album. It's an album. But, but let me say this. Hilarious. If, if you Google GinoBisconti.com, any way you spell it, somebody pointed this out once. Excuse me. If you Google Gino Bisconti comedian, you can spell it with a J. It yeah. comes up because it's such a odd name. But go to my website, GinoBisconti.com, and it's got all the links to buy it right there. Not that you can't Google Uncle Gino is amazing. Can you say how it's going? It, it's been, uh, like I said, all I know is, because I, I, James, I don't pay attention to this stuff, like sales and stuff, but I know it debuted at number two on iTunes. It, it was number one on Google Play. Thank you, Android users, for a full week. And it, it, uh, I got a letter from Billboard magazine. Like, we need some information for next week. It debuted at number seven on comedy charts on Billboard magazine. Oh, that's amazing. I, 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 I mean, then I'm, I'm like hanging out this weekend in, in Chicago, like doing some shows, but I'm, I'm like relaxing one day and I'm watching the music choice. And it's like, this album debuted at number seven on Billboard. I'm like, oh, I feel so cool. Like, I'm on the Billboard with the Beatles. And, and stuff. again, I think the really important thing, I mean, this is, we discussed this before the podcast because uh, I was talking to a, a Asian a hookers. We decided Asian <laughs> hookers because the, the Korean, wait, what'd you say, Carlos? Orientals. No, you can't say Ori. All right, what? So we were talking about somebody. Uh, everybody's just waiting for the Netflix call or the HBO call. Yeah. You got to just go, you can, anybody can go out and take a camera and make a special. Yeah. And, and you could choose yourself to do it. And, and if you have the skills and, and you've been doing it and you've got, uh, you know, you have the comedy club. You and do me a favor. If you have Sirius XM, request it. Uh, request Uncle Gino is amazing on the Raw Dogs channels. Because you you that's where you get a, a nice chunk of change. And I'll, I'll say this. We talked about uh, Sirius pays every time there's a... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how you get through sound exchange. You get paid every time there's airplay. And that's Vecchione is doing well with that because, and I paid him a compliment when we were going to a gig because, like, this is a guy that should have so much, but he makes so much on that. And so it's because... I'm only going to get played on Raw Dog because I say fuck and every track of mine is explicit. Even though if you're a, a good parent, you can listen to it with a 15-year-old because I'm not saying, you know, fuck the police. I'm just saying, you know. Um, but Vecchione does great on that and so does Nate because they're squeaky clean and smart and hilarious so they get airplay and all that. And I'm like, it's it's a nice... It's a nice little great equalizer for all the shit that goes on now where, you know, like people get sitcoms because they have a certain look and a certain edge and they and Comedy Central can market them. But funny James is fucking funny. And when you're undeniably funny, an act that doesn't fold like, you know, like Vec or me or Nate, like it's you're going to get that money on airplay because people need to play. Like when you take away all the visual stimuli and people are driving down the road or just listening on the radio and just need to listen to something funny. Well, that's when you take all the play. Like, well, you know what? We need Mike Vecchione. We need Nate Bargatze. We need Gina Biscani. We need Dan Soder here. You know, that's the great equalizer, which is awesome. Getting back to what you're saying. It's like, you can do whatever you want. You just, if you have the content, there are so many platforms to get it out there now. And I always say this. I think that's totally true. Content, and, and we're not even just talking about humor. There's everything. everything. If you have something internal that you want to transmit, there's nobody stopping you, and yet everyone gives excuses. And you just went out and did it, and it's a it's a great work of art. People should get it. Gino Bisconti, thanks for coming on. Thanks the so much for having me, and James. And if, if people like this, because 
I'm always playing around with formats. Uh, here we did something where Gino kind of helped me analyze my my thing uh, online here. Uh, just tweet that you you liked what you saw or listened to. Thanks. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network at jamesaltucher.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. Hey, thanks for listening. Listen, I have a big favor to ask you and it will only take 30 seconds or less. And it would mean a huge amount to me. If you like this podcast, please let me know. Please let the team I work with know. Please let my guests know. And you can do this easily by subscribing to the podcast. It's probably the biggest favor you could do for me right now. And it's really simple. Just go to iTunes, search for The James Altucher Show, and click subscribe. Again, it will only take you 30 seconds or less. And if you subscribe now, it will really help me out a lot. Thanks again. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.